Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, episode 134, Ranger Nation Spotlight, Mike Dent, recorded on February 3rd, 2019. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Summer Ranger up with your host, I'm Eric, also known as b 47 This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Juan S., Doug F., Tyler W., Christopher M., Eric D., Bo H., Steve F., Derek G., Teresa B., and Jacob P. for supporting us this month. Today we have a new Ranger Nation spotlight with Mike Dent. Mike is a writer, voice actor, and filmmaker based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's a co-founder of the Tokusatsu Network, podcast co-host slash producer for Friday Ace and R5 Central, which was a 2008 Parsec Award finalist. He's also a writer for Otaku USA and the voice of the Arbiter in Power Rangers Unworthy and creator of Vintage Henshin. Welcome to Ranger Command Power Hour, Mike. Wow, I can't believe you're able to sum all that up. Uh, you also forgot the uh, Great Sage, You Cool of Heaven, Master of Sanity, Divine Transformations, Hot Blood Everlasting, The Invincible Dream. I, I had to do that. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's in my contract. I have to do that every podcast. Dude, it is like so great to have you on the show. I know. It's been like forever and a day since like we've like been able to like properly interact. So I am yeah. happy to be here. Absolutely. Shoot, we go back at least 15 years, right? I want to say like 2004? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, oh my god, we're getting old. <laughs> we're getting way too old. We're getting way too old. Oh my god. We went to that Gundam thing too way back in Chicago. That was uh yeah, cuz like we first met at it was the, the Chicagoland cosplay yes. meeting in front of Mitsuha and I just randomly like I am to a whole bunch of people um and on AIM I'm like, "Oh, here's a whole bunch of people who I kind of talked with for a little bit." And then that's how <laughs> I met you and that's how I met Will, Lauren, who I haven't like spoken to in a while. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a whole bunch of people like, a, a lot ton of, of local people here. Yeah. And then <laughs> from that, yeah, no, we just stuck and then we went to the yeah, <laughs> Zeta Gundam new translation. Yes. Oh my god, I the, that night will always stick out because um I think yeah, that's right cuz you picked me up from the station and we yep. ended up arriving late to the first movie. Yeah. And I I <laughs> I remember well, we we ended up like second to last row and Oh my god, so we got to the end of the first movie, which I'm like, okay, I don't feel too bad, because I've seen that one already. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, the movie wraps up, and we just hear, like, this thunderous applause starting behind us. I don't realize till after the fact, Yoshiki Tamino, the actual director of the movie and creator of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, was, like, right behind us. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, cool. Way to start the applause of your own movie. Great, great job, dude. But um, as we were walking out, I'll never forget... <laughs> As we're walking, like, the he and I make eye contact, and I swear on everything. Like, I actually heard, like, the new type flash go <laughs> off in my head. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, Sukuk Rishala. You know, like, the whole thing. 
And, uh, oh my god. Yeah, no, that was that was a, a magical evening, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, just for our listeners, yeah, Mike and I go way back, and he was one of really the first kind of tokusatsu slash Power Rangers related podcasts that I'd listened to back in the day with uh, R5 Central. God rest its uh, merry soul there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, you just have like this long storied history uh, within the fandom, not just Rangers, but anime and, and tokusatsu. I'm finally glad that it's as much for me as it is for you just to like catch up again. Oh yeah, no, it's, yeah, there's been a lot and uh it has gotten to the point when I introduce myself to people, God, I sound so full of myself when I say it like that. <laughs> but it's like, where I have to say, like, I'm kind of a lot. Because then it's like, oh, yeah, so I was part of a BBC audio drama award-winning pilot in, like, 2013. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm a lot. <laughs> and I just, you know, or it's like, I tell people, like, uh, oh, God, what was it? I think it was, like, about, like, last, yeah, last year or so, mm-hmm. last, uh, like, two years ago. I ended up going out to Chicago to go see a wrestling documentary with one of my favorite Japanese wrestlers. Uh, she was actually there. And I remember I got on the wrong train and oh, I no. arrived there a little late. And it was just one of those things where I talked to the organizer afterwards and she's like, oh, my God, you came all the way from Milwaukee for this? Oh, my gosh. Well, do you want to go bowling with us afterwards? And so there I am bowling with my favorite Japanese wrestler and the director of the documentary until bar close. And I'm like, this is my life. My life is weird. <laughs> so. Oh, man. And and I remember uh, back in Anime Central 2008 when they first had the Power Ranger guest oh, for the first God, time. That was pandemonium. And I was trying to find that picture that someone took. It was like us. It was like... Uh, you, me, and uh, Tyler. That's right. All all of us were so young. Yeah, we we all had the baby face going on. The side view. Yeah, that's um. I and I ju- I literally saw it like a few weeks ago, and I couldn't find it. Like, because I, I wanted to do like a hey, here's a throwback to all of us chilling at like ten years or eleven <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was such a good time. Yeah, I, I remember like I actually uh, ended up like deactivating my Facebook finally, so uh-huh. like I, I can't go back to it. It's for the best, really. Oh my god, don't get me started on Facebook drama. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like because I popped in my memories, and I'm like, oh my god, we've really been there that long. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the same year that P Lander Z showed up. Um, oh yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, Tyler's not here. I can tell this story. <laughs> so. So Tyler, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but you know which one I'm about to tell. Okay, so I'll never forget this. Like the that whole weekend has been marred by just this one. Well, it's like the thing that always pops up. And uh, P. Lander Z, for those who don't uh, know or remember, they're this uh, indie rock band, and they have like kind of a quasi like Sentai motif. And they were just insane to the point where, like, at random points, they would, like, bring people up from the audience to play their instruments and just tell them to keep playing the same note over and over. <laughs> but they're insane. So, yeah. uh, like, they've been at Super Art Fight. They're pretty good people. But what happens <laughs> is we're sitting in the front row um, at ASEN at, um, for opening ceremonies. Because uh, for press, you usually get, like, front row. Yeah. And it's, like, a grand ballroom type thing. So they show up, and I think they, they go into their whole spiel. It's like, we are not Japanese. We are not American. We are not human being. We are P. Lander Z. And everyone's losing it. <laughs> P. Lander Yellow does a crowd dive. And his oh. foot lands right on Tyler's uh, iP- uh, iPod. 
which was his main oh, recording device for that no. weekend. And this is like the day hasn't even started, and like he'd like uh, he'd like come all the way for this, and this is like one of the first times that the Rangers had been at conventions, and and it just right on it. And uh, I think it was, I think it was Lisa from uh, NPS who yeah. uh, had like a spare recorder for him that got through the weekend. But oh my god, he was livid. He was. I remember him just being absolutely livid. And then like Asen wasn't like prepared to comp him or anything. So uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to. I, I tried telling him like you need to hold on to that and you need to get him to autograph. But he's like, I had to trade it in. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, I miss hanging out with him. It's it's been too long. Yeah, and he he actually uh, kind of quick fired some uh, questions for this interview, which we'll I saw that which we'll get to in a bit. So pretty healthy discussion going on. But no, it's it's really great to have you uh, on, on the show for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be on. It's uh, yeah, because I'm finally getting back into the whole podcast swing of things. I've been like focusing on my uh, on on myself essentially. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, it's uh, no really where to begin, really. <laughs> well, <laughs> like... just to introduce you to everyone, and um, I ask this for any guest uh, that that comes on the show. How did you first get into like the whole Power Rangers Tokusatsu thing? Oh my gosh, this is a this is a dangerous question. Um, okay, <laughs> so like, let's say we'll do the big sweeping epic version. Long in the days of your <laughs> with. Rodius Thunder. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with it, but the now basically, uh, yeah, it's it's been kind of a downward spiral. So essentially, it kind of started when I was a kid, and it was um, I was brought up on a steady diet of like old sci-fi and a little bit of anime, which I didn't find out about until my college graduation because my um <laughs> my, it was like my mom and uh, dad had taken me out to dinner after I graduated college. And we're talking, he's like, yeah, I know. And my mom's like, yeah, you know, we, uh, you know, I remember all this, like, Sundays we'd stay, you know, we'd wake up early and we'd watch, like, Captain Power and some other stuff. And then, like, that show with that singer and the Jets. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, like that. I forget the name of it, but that show with, like, the little girl who sang and, like, the Jets that, like, like, the Jets that transformed. Mom, are you talking about Macross? Did you show me Robotech? She's like, I think that's what it was called. Yeah. And I'm like, so this is your fault. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it was a steady diet of just a lot of that. And then coming into anime, uh, largely because of my dad, too, as mm-hmm. well. Like, he, when he came to, you know, into my life, because uh, my mom was a single parent. Um, so she, um, like, so she, like there's, like, the stuff on TV or whatever. But he brought with him, like, you know, st- like, the full, like, Star Trek lore. Um, but he brought with him, like, all these tapes from years of conventions. Uh, and the large bulk of them was a show called Star Blazers, um, which was the American version of Space Battleship Yamato. And, yes. uh, <laughs> oh, my God. It was, like, my uh, the memory that he tells me, and I, I die laughing every time I think about it, and I kind of vividly remember this, is that I was so hard hardcore into Star Blazers. Like, we, all the tapes were from third season, but he had a couple of the movies in Japanese that were never, like, released, that had not been released in English by that point. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was, was it Be Forever Yamada or Yamada the New Voyages? I forget which one, but uh, we're watching it, and it's, like, this tense moment in the movie where, like, I'm going to use the American names. I know it's sacrilege for some people. So, like, so it's, like, uh, Nova's been kidnapped by the Dark Nebula Empire or whatever, and, like, they've just gotten the crack kicked out of them. And everyone's looking to uh, Derek Wildstar thinking, 
Captain, what are we going to do? And then as the camera slowly eases in and he's about to uh, say his next move, the tape stops. Because no. <laughs> back then, you would get ripped off so easily if whoever you bought something from did not know how to do tape uh-huh. speeds. So my dad was sleeping upstairs at the time. I guess he was napping. And I remember, or what he, or I kind of remember this part. And he, um, minding his own business, and he just hears me running up the stairs and just bawling my eyes out. And he's like, son, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, oh my God, the tape stopped. I don't know what happened to Nova. And so (laughs) eventually he calms me down. But, oh, my God, it's just, like... And I found out later that that was not, like, a random occurrence. Like, I just got, like, the short end of the stick there. There are people who have actually owned that particular bootleg. Oh, so no. there's a there's actually an episode of the Anime World Order where they're talking about it. And it was, like, a guy at an anime club. Oh, was it, it wasn't Tim Eldred. It was, um... I, th- I think it might have been Tim Eldred. I don't know. But uh, either way, it's, uh, I'm sure Daryl Surratt will come up and be like, wait a minute in the comments <laughs> as soon as I mention this. But uh, yeah, like apparently he was in an anime club and had that exact same bootleg. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> suffer alone. <laughs> but um, but it was through that. And uh, eventually mm-hmm. just um, along the way, getting deeper into like sci-fi fandom. I was part of the Milwaukee Time Lords for a little bit uh, until they basically forced us out. Because I was the youngest member at the time. And it's like, you know, it's like Doctor Doctor Who and Babylon 5 for the most part. Mm -hmm. But it was around, especially around like, you know, the early 90s that it's like all of a sudden I just was going through channels one day. And it was the last like five, maybe 10 minutes of Godzilla vs. Megalon. And I just caught it on a random uh, Channel 58 out here, which for a time was just just like a random like like UHF station. And so it's just the last 10 minutes of that. And... So it's like the final battle with Jet Jaguar and Godzilla and they're go you know going to town on Megalon and it's the flying kick you know heard around the yep. world and I was just captivated I'm like oh my gosh what is this this is so amazing and then the Jet Jaguar song starts up and I misremembered that song for several years and so like <laughs> I got the lyrics completely wrong the rhythm completely wrong I would annoy my friends on the playground because I'd always be singing it <laughs> and this is before like you know mr science theater 3000 or anything came out to like you know properly cement that into like the pop culture consciousness mm-hmm. but yeah like i just misremembered but i'm like oh my gosh what is this this is so cool and it was around that time too that like uh, i think it was not good times i forget the name of the video company but they were putting out a lot of the old godzilla tapes so i was getting through th- in through that as well and it was around that point of course uh, 1993 rolls around and power yep. rangers happens and i'm like all over the place. I'm, I'm going to have a lot of side tangent stories. I'm full of these. This is, uh, you're going to have a lot of content for this episode. Um, uh, my favorite memory uh, related to Power Rangers was, uh, well, there's well, there's two of them, but the, the big one was that, um, what was it? Oh, Christmas morning, I woke up and I had like almost the complete set. Uh, with the exception of Titanus, like I had, or oh, I didn't have the Blade Blaster, I didn't have the Morpher, and I didn't have Titanus, but like for the most part, like I had a near com- like complete set. And... I found out later <laughs> that my uh, mom had to end up uh, basically go into the, the underbelly of KB Toy Store in order to to get the Yellow Ranger. <laughs> so these are like the, the it was like the not the they were like the there was the twelve uh, inch figures like the ones with like the yeah the emblazoned yes. point on them. So she had gotten mm-hmm. every single one of them except Yellow, and she could not find the Yellow Ranger anywhere. 
And so she went to the KB Toy Stores at, at like Northridge Mall and went in and was like, look, I've been looking high and low. Please tell me you have a Yellow Ranger here. And the guy's like, okay, follow me. They go into the back room. <laughs> Goes into the back stock room. According to her, it was dimly lit. And inside there is a box that he pops open and it is fresh stocked of Yellow Rangers. And oh, wow. so she gave him like 20 bucks and he gave her a, like a paper bag to put it inside and said, hide this and you do not tell anybody where you got it. So she puts <laughs> it in her purse and like casually walks out of Northridge Mall to the parking lot as if she was doing some type of like, was it CIA dead drop? And she makes it home. And I, that's how I got my thought. So to this day, like, um, I've always told myself that if I ever have to sell those, the only one I am never giving up is the Yellow Ranger. Because, like, the trouble that went yeah. into it. Yeah, so it's like Power Rangers happens. And then the moment I think that, because, like, Godzilla was like, okay, that's what kind of started, you know, like, kind of was like the catalyst. But mm-hmm. then, like, you know, Power Rangers kind of you know, got me through the door. What started the downward spiral was an issue of Sentai Magazine that I found at Collector's Edge Comics here in town. And uh, I just looked at it. And I'm like, oh my God, Power Rangers in the cover. Because I was, you know, young and hungry for Power Rangers. Right. And the thing about Sentai Magazine, it was a fanzine put out by Antarctic Press, uh, the same comic company responsible mm-hmm. for Ninja High School. Uh, they did a Gigantor comic way back when. Oh, um, was okay. It? Oh, I forget the name, like Warrior Nun Arella or whatever it's supposed to be called. And I think, no, they didn't do Lady Death. I think they, or they had a hand in it, whatever. Either way. I'm old. My memory's going. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like I got this issue of Sentai Magazine and I'm looking through it. And I'm like, it's got this Power Ranger episode guide and it had all the way up till uh, Doomsday. Mm-hmm. The thing was though, as I'm looking through, I'm like, wait a minute, there's a, these sidebars. What? Kiryu Sentai G-Ranger? Wait, what? The Green Ranger dies? And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, this is so crazy. Like, and so I'm like finding out, like, wait, the Yellow Ranger's a boy in Japan. Oh my God. You know, so like my, my little young, <laughs> my, my, yeah, my little young self is just being corrupted. It was just me falling in love and wanting to get as much more information as I possibly could. And so mm-hmm. I just, I tried to buy up as many issues of Sentai Magazine as, you know, at that point when the internet was becoming more of a thing. Like we didn't get the internet into my house until like the late nineties. So yeah. Like I would go and I swear to God, like I actually did this. Uh, if you go to Best Buy or Circuit City at the time, they would have what was known as Web TV. Web TV. Oh my God. I Web TV that. was basically, hey, um, we're just going to give you the ability to use a web browser on your television set and you're going to pay exorbitant prices. So I would go, like my folks would go off and they do whatever that, you know, they need to buy like appliances or whatever. And I would just go to the, the TV section and I'd go to Web TV and I would go to uh jill i think no it wasn't yeah it was jill and sentai spoilers which is still around i I, i'm still blown away this is still around and i would just go through that website and just absorb as much information about g-ranger as possible and i would annoy the hell out of anybody (laughs) who was trying to like access web tv like i'm just like this is so cool like there weren't even any pictures on the site it was just me like scrolling through and all this stuff that I just was like diving into and going. And, and um, I think another major contribution was the uh, discovery of BioBooster Armor Giver, which is like 
the closest mm. thing we're ever going to get to a good common writer anime and um, right and you know like and that fueled me more into you know anime and then discovering more stuff in the 80s and just everything just kind of stirred together then my mind was blown forever when <laughs> we had a local anime shop in town called model zone um i'm just, I'm just gonna say these little blessings for all these things that are now gone uh but <laughs> model zone i discovered because i was on the, the school bus going uh what i think it was either it was going home or going to school and i remember there was a store that had a volume one tape of by booster macgyver in the window and i was like oh my god there's guyver in the window that store must have more stuff and so because that's how ravenous i was when i was a little <laughs> kid so i begged my parents to take me to the store and we follow the bus route and we get there and uh, that was what cemented, you know, the 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 the, mm. the nerd lifestyle because I oh my god I was getting like issues of Uchu Sen, uh, TV magazine, uh, all these different tapes. But the thing that that blew my mind was I walked in one day, and it was the last five minutes of Kamen Zeto, oh. and I'm like. Oh my god, this is like Power Rangers, but this looks so much cooler. And so then they told me, like, "Yeah, that's Commander Zoe. And I'm like, "Oh." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is nuts." And so uh, I walked in on that, and then a couple weeks later, I walked in on the final minutes of I think it was episode 38 of Die Ranger. Holy cow. Which was <laughs> even more insane cuz it's like, "What? The White Ranger sounds like a girl." Cuz I didn't realize he was a kid. And I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, he sounds like a girl? What? Tore the shuttle's door talks?" And so everything was just insane it was to the point where the owner of the store was just like i'm just gonna make you a sampler tape and so he, <laughs> he gives me the sampler tape it has brave express mike gun techman blade whirlwind iron leaguer uh a show that i i wish more people had seen and uh and ended with die ranger i played the hell out of that tape it was to the point where like i was memorizing commercials um <laughs> like oh my god i remember there was like uh i mentioned this on twitter and i i there was like the trailer for the trailer the commercial for the uh battle bomber with my really weird phonetic like memory i was like you know try bomba home bomba and and like this girl next to me was like what the heck is battle bomber and i just never did that again <laughs> and, um and yeah no it was that it was getting issues of b club which was like the the bandai magazine that oh, was, yeah. which was like, you had uh, line drawings, you had character design, you had all this stuff. Um, and then like glossy pictures of like the latest shows. I still have a B Club collection that I'm still trying to complete. Like that's how thorough I, I am. I, I love that <laughs> magazine so much. There's like Uchusen, I mentioned that, which is like mm-hmm. the Japanese Starlog. And then like Tool pointed that out on Twitter. He's like, well, I tend to think the Japanese Starlog is actually the Japanese Starlog, but that makes sense. And I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> like it really was. <laughs> Because it's like it's like the Japanese answer to it. Because you had like a whole indie section, which was like all these like films and things like that. There was like an mm-hmm. American sci-fi section. I totally recommend tracking down old issues of it if you can. And everything just kind of went into hyperdrive once um, the internet came into the house. Because then it's like suddenly oh, yeah. I'm on alt TV Sentai, and then it's like you know um, <laughs> my first interaction with August Rogoni was oh god i think i was talking about because i just learned about hey say ultra seven and uh-huh. i'm like oh my god i want to see these episodes like, anyway know where i can get these and i listed every single one except well there's a couple titles that i missed and i think i i vividly remember him responding with the titles that i missed with like a well actually <laughs> and i don't know how it happened but we started like talking on aim on the regular and it was um and that's how that i think i was like one of the youngest members of the time which was like a running trend 
um, mm-hmm. for my fandom. And then it's just it just kept going. It and it just hasn't stopped since. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it's it, it's so cool that because it, it seems like you got compared to me, I got into Sentai or or knew about Sentai a little bit later. So yeah, to have that experience with like you know those comic shops and that type of exposure is is really cool it was like a whole other time i mean oh yeah i mean with like the convention bootlegs like i had like a regular friend who would like i'm gonna slip you this extra tape because you keep me up to date on news and i'm like cool <laughs> like the memory is so weird because you have to remember for a time like the only way you could watch stuff was like buying those bootleg tapes or yep. like tape trading which the, i've only ever done two of them in my lifetime and i botched both of them because um <laughs> well because yeah because like back Back then, I mean, everything was, you know, VHS. So in order right. to do it, you had to daisy chain your, your uh, VCRs together. And imagine being like, you know, 10, 11 years old, trying to beg your parents for permission to take the other VCR you have in the basement, bring it upstairs and to help you hook it up. And it was like a huge endeavor. And right. then it's like all of a sudden it's like you get into like the late 90s and suddenly capture cards are becoming a thing. And mm-hmm. I will never forget, because uh, uh, was it Sentai or All TV Sentai had the Sentai Video Club. And what, what they would do is they would send you like small uh, quick time clips to your email inbox of like turn shows. Like at the time it was Mega Ranger. So I was getting all these Mega Ranger clips and then like the original Commander Kuga TV commercial when that came out and all this stuff like that. But in uh, 1998, what ended up happening was we were sent a special video because it's like, guys, Meg, you know, Mega Ranger just wrapped up and they had the preview for the n- next year's Sentai. And um, we got like snapshots out of TV magazine of Ginga Man. And the thing that yeah. I remember is people were complaining because they're like, oh, my God, it looks like the Charlie Brown Rangers. And <laughs> but let me tell you just how much like shock and awe it was to be able to watch a preview for a new Sentai show in real time. Mm-hmm. Like literally the day after that aired, like that just was crazy. So all of a sudden it's like, I am watching the preview for the next year's Sentai that, you know, will be adapted into like, you know, eventually got adapted into Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. But I'm just like being just ahead of the game, quote unquote, was just, just mind boggling to me at the time. And it's, it's those little things. Like I kind of miss that. Like, yeah. like the, I mean, there's still in this, like a sense of adventure, but it's like, for the most part, it's sort of like the equivalent of like, okay, so we've had like everything else charted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it felt like back then, even when I was first getting into Sentai and Decker Ranger and, and all that, it was like, there's this whole world that just opens up. And back then, you know, not a lot of people were really knew about it. And you had these small, well, I say small, but you know, at the time communities like Ranger Board and and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, no, like, I make no qualms. Like, it yeah. is totally niche. Like, you yeah. want to think it's bigger, but it's like, no, it, it's still very niche. Like, uh, it took several years mm-hmm. to get, like, even, like, a candy trading toy to show up on the dealer's room floor, they said. <laughs> uh, I remember when that happened, it was a miracle, and, like, little tears formed in my head. Not really, but, um, like, uh, God, do you remember JP Toys and Gifts? Oh, I, I remember them. I miss them dearly. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he, he would always have a booth at Ace. Yeah. And he, yeah, and I remember the one time where, like, uh, we were hoping he'd bring over his leftover stock from, like, Commander Blade, and he wouldn't bring it because he's like, yeah, it's too niche. And I, I have a recording of him saying that somewhere, like, on an R5 episode. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, if only you knew. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for a time, and, and, you know, early back then, like, 2004, 2005, because I, I was big into anime and cosplay since 99, 2000. And there's first that community about that. And then it's just amazing how the fandoms kind of cross over and people like these similar things. 
And, you know, we had that whole Mitsuo meetup, and that's when the Japanese toy store was still in Mitsuo, and it was just this... Oh, yeah. It was just this awesome time of, like, discovery of, oh, wow, Sentai, Tokusatsu, this is really cool. I had the same similar thing. Like, I knew of, like, you know, watching Godzilla, and, like, my dad was huge into sci-fi. So, you know, I was always aware of, like, this, this kind of, like, bigger you know, Japanese type of sci-fi, but it, it really wasn't until opening up and finding more about tokusatsu where it was like, oh man, this is like a legit drama that's really already super deep at the time. Right. The tonal shifts that'll happen too are always mm-hmm. so like insane. So like imagine, oh my God, man, like I was in the, the midst of my weeb phase and I didn't know any better. <laughs> and I'm like, man, your Japanese media is so much better. And then like I saw like the first couple episodes of like the original 1970s Common Writer. And I'm like, oh man, this is like so much darker and deeper. And a note that I'm able to still hit that kid voice now. <laughs> I'm like 33. It is, a, it is a gift, but it is also a curse. It's so funny because I always thought that, like, you know, it was always supposed to be darker and more dramatic. And I think, like, when you're a kid and you and you're mm-hmm. trying to find that other stuff, like, that's what appeals to you with anime. Is like, uh, like at one point, that's what it was. Is it was a lot more like it felt like there was right. more care put into it. Like, I know there's some people that call like Scooby Doo like the worst thing that happened to American animation, and and it's like I kind of agree because <laughs> I mean at the same time that like Scooby Doo was happening, you know, Mobile Suit Gundam was mm-hmm. happening over there, or we didn't get Saint Seiya because we were being coddled. It's just so wild when you get in on the joke and like you see that wider world. There are people who try to insist that like yeah, it's always been dramatic, but then I point them to like what was it, Common uh, Rider episode 39, or as I call it, the uh, Nazi Werewolf Christmas Spectacular with the with the <laughs> She has the line, uh, like, instead of meeting Santa Claus, I want to meet Common Rider. And, you know, like, there's the whole thing where it's like, it isn't Christmas until uh, Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, for me, it's not Christmas until Colonel Zol gets Ryder punched in the face until he explodes. So, and it's the thing, like, you ha- and that's something you have to do. But um, I really just want to stress that because, mm-hmm. oh my God, like, because the original Common Rider, you have like five or six episodes where it is dark and it is like atmospheric and it is cool for, you know, for the most part. But then after Hiroshi Fujioka's like motorcycle accident, the show runs out of footage of him and they're like, crap, what are we going to do? Let's have an episode where it's just the sidekicks. And so for half an episode, you have a shocker cyborg (laughs) stalking people. And (laughs) he's like, Oh my god! So like, I'm just laughing thinking about this because it's like he's there on top of a kid slide with binoculars, and then he's doing like the roar, which back then like Shocker Monster Wars were always like, you know. So he's doing that, <laughs> and then as he's doing that, he to like make his grand exit, he slowly goes down the slide out of frame. <laughs> and so, jeez, oh, like, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> But yeah, and it's just again, it's like like you there just to discover more. Like I think that's one of those things is you have to get in on the joke. Like there is you know, there is drama, there yeah. is like darkness. Um I will say right away that Commander Black is not the darkest show uh writers ever produced. It is the most dramatic. Because I mean, oh my god, there's the episode where like what was it? Like I call it the most Japanese uh plot line ever in which you have this, it was so convoluted. It's, you had a passing UN dignitary going through a small rural village. And Golgum's plan was to turn the village into this blood drinking goat sacrificing cult. So that way when the dignitary passed through, he would think very poorly of Japan 
and it would embarrass the nation long enough that Golgum could take over. And I'm like, that is the most Japanese thing. It's like, oh God, we're so embarrassed. Please take (laughs) over Japan, Golgum. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) and I I, I watch this and I'm like, oh my God, this is not the darkest show ever. People just don't know the difference between darkness and drama. But yeah, it's like, and that's this thing. Like, and once you do that and like the, like the whole thing just opens up and then you get to watch like uh, the Kage star, which is just like a dude gets electrocuted and gets shadow powers. And, and you, you can appreciate stuff like Bycrosser, which is like two brothers in a show that does not know how like telepathy works, uh, who have telep- telepathic powers. <laughs> and like the, the, the main villain is just making kids suffer because it's like ASMR to this evil statue that coughs up diamonds. And I I wish I was making that up. I wish I was making that up. Go watch Bycrosser. You will have the time of your life. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. That's crazy. We actually have a question from uh, Zachary Shiloh at nice. uh, ZachShy130. Uh, he says, hello, thank you for your time. What toku have you watched fully? I mean, oh that's a God. long list. What toku do you hope to watch on your free time? And what keeps you going as a toku fan? Uh, see, toku I've watched totally. Um, I can say the ones that I haven't watched totally. Um, sure. There's like, let's see, like I haven't seen all, like, you know, God, there's like, I will go super old with like a lot of those because like, I've not seen all of Captain Ultra and I really want to because I uh, was I just recently reobtained the Toei the Tokusatsu movies uh, DVD box and Captain Ultra is amazing. It's like a 1967 sci-fi show and it's like super cheap budget. It's like super cheap budget, but it still has like this bombastic score and like the ships are pretty cool and it's just a lot of fun. Like imagine like a Japanese yeah. take on Lost in Space. Like, that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, so it's a lot oh, of fun. Oh, that's cool. And, um, it's like, there's that. Um, there's a lot, like, Sentai-wise, like, I have not seen Five Man or Turbo Ranger all the way through, and I need to remedy that. Um, mm. Five Man, it's, um, for years, I just was never sold on the concept. Like, as a kid, I was like, five teachers! Ah! Y- you know, but, uh, <laughs> and then, like, one of the commercials for the show is them, like, selling a desk. So you have, like, Oh, my God. <laughs> the robots, and then you have, like the sausage with the trading cards and then you have a desk that that has the the five man (laughs) logo on it would be the coolest desk ever to have as a kid i mean it would be but it's literally just like a placemat on like what is otherwise like a area like completely like dominated by mahogany um but oh god i think it was with uh kuni from the uh, tokunet and or somebody i remember it was just a running joke we would always make about five man where it's just like if five man was so great why did no one buy max magma which was like the big like giant base robot that apparently didn't do so well in the toy sales And, uh, yeah, no, and, like, I've, I'm, like, I've not seen that all the way through. Turbo Ranger is one that I, I would love to see all the way through. It just, it, mm-hmm. it has, like, that really awesome theme song. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of Senta. Like, yeah, like, I haven't seen all 98 episodes all or all 90-plus episodes, whatever, uh, of Go Ranger all the way through. You have to kind of curate your experience with that. Right. Because otherwise, it burns out. Like, Common Rider, it's like, oh, you know, 95 episodes of badass. Yeah, you know, I'm like, no. It's literally the same formula for a while. <laughs> and like, you have to curate that experience. But yeah, it's kind of like 60 episodes of the first season of Power Rangers. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like is it? I mean, it's like, you know, the A-Team, you know, the A-Team's mm-hmm. like the same episode for how many seasons? 
Yeah. You know, so you have to curate it. That's the stuff I haven't seen all the way through. But like, I, I'm tr- working on remedying that. Um, stuff I want to watch on my free time. Uh, free time. What is that? That there's a right. concept to me. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Well, the thing I always do is like, if there's a sh- like a Sentai show that I don't like or a writer show that I don't like, <laughs> the current lineup. <clears throat> um, <laughs> <laughs> I I end up I'm sorry I my throat's really dry I should probably get some more water after this uh, but uh, there's uh, like I'll, you know this whole backlog of shows that I, mm-hmm. I just go back and watch uh, it's like okay I didn't like Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger cool I'll watch Soul Brain and I had a really fun time watching Soul Brain because Soul Brain is ridiculous but also really great I, I, like words don't do that show justice like Wind Spectre and Soul Brain are just two of my favorite metal hero shows of all time and uh, like Wind Spectre is on like my all time favorite like Tuxatsu list. So, oh yeah, like Deno uh, Jordan from Token Nation, like he is a huge Wind Spectre fan. Giant bird episode, very giant bird episode. <laughs> Just watch it. <laughs> no, I, I, I need to. I need to. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, there's also the one where it's like I'm making myself laugh. This is great. This is this is great content for everybody. It's a great podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um. So now there's like this episode. It opens up because there's like a robot they built that they sent out to America to be part of the. F- FBI and what? and so <laughs> the episode starts with with the, this robot that is obviously like a mad gallant redeco from Just Band just like just massacring a bunch of like criminals and he's just, like all the while he's like I am the robot named Brian and he fires like a grenade launcher or something like that and then it's just like I am from the FBI murder department and we're like what. <laughs> And oh my, like I know what they met, tried to, to say what he was from, but it's just like it just sounds like he, like from a literal murder department from within the FBI. Oh my god! And it, like I remember, I saw that intro, I died. I had to stop and just rewind it and just be like, oh my god, Wind Spectre is so good. Just and then Soul Brain just ups the ante even better because you have an episode worth like a kid who is failing cram school so hard, his dad who was a mad scientist made him the most intelligent kid in the world. just sounds like a bad 80s american sci-fi plot but it's so good because there's power armor in it (laughs) oh god just just go watch it go watch it it's so good but um yeah that's usually what i do with like free time like i'll go back and i'll think if there's a show that i that just recently became available through like Mm -hmm. fan subbing or whatever um like uh small plug um there was one of my favorite shows from when i was a kid seven stars fighting guard seven stars fighting god guyford is now being subtitled, and I'm so happy oh, wow. about that. It is. It was a show sponsored by uh, Capcom, uh, one of the uh, to- rare Toho Tokusatsu shows. They were like more hero based. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna give Toei a run for their money, and then they just fade away really quickly. <laughs> um, it's just really innovative, like fight choreography. The music's kind of meh, but it's mm-hmm. still like just really bad and really fun i totally just go check that out like um what was it like i, I stopped watching you know commander zio as well and i'm like oh guyford's being sub let's just watch that instead and i don't regret anything there's so many options now i mean there's so much to watch you don't have to confine yourself to just the newer stuff there's, exactly there's so much out there yeah and i i just I, I love that and that's well yeah the third question is like uh yeah what keeps me going it's the adventure it's mm-hmm. you know me minding my own business and then finding out wait a minute there was a different colored version of king gidra and they're releasing a toy of it what going into that or um part of my fun has been like looking up like local heroes uh, which are like in japan you have like different uh cities and different prefectures that right. will have their own mascots and so imagine that but they're all like tokusatsu heroes and so 
there's like a deep vortex that you can go into. <laughs> like, you know, that's like insane. Because like you'll find people that you're like, wait a minute, this is the coolest concept ever. And you just want to support them. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like a subset of the, you know, I- like idol fandom to some extent. There's a robot idol group called Neo Robotics. And it's insane. They have like 10 members and they do all sorts of local events in Osaka. And like one of them has been like in a couple of TV shows. It's it's just ridiculous. And they're always in Tokyo Comic-Con. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, when, when I went to Japan last year for the first time, that was amazing. And it was for work. And I went to this trade show. My job's in the manufacturing industry. It was like this huge trade show at Tokyo Big Site. And it was cool. You know, I'm in a suit, whatever. And I'm noticing people having these bags that have the Thunderbirds on them. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I need to go find this. And sure enough, I went to, it's it's one of the big, uh, like, metal cutting machine builders out there. And their whole booth was themed with Thunderbirds. Oh like, my god, that's awesome. They had full-size models from the show the entrance to the booth looked like the bay for thunderbird one it was just oh my god i'm foaming at the mouth i was such a nerd about it and just to like go to japan and see either tokusatsu or like sentai stuff and it was raining on the day i had free time but you know i wanted to go to that bridge that deca ranger posed at at the end and I didn't get to go to that, but I knew where it was. And it's like, I, I just, I need to go back, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so funny. I had a friend who like once cased Saitama Super Arena. They actually went through to be like, okay, we kind of want to take some hero photos here. And then like, they're like, okay, these are the guard rotations. These are, And I'm like, oh my God, dude, are you serious? So, <laughs> they, they ended up not doing it. But like, there was just a time where like, I had it like the knowledge down pat. And I'm like, oh God, I probably shouldn't have this. <laughs> but... Oh my god! Yeah, now one of these days I'll go. I, I really want to. I think if anything, I'd time it so I could do like Wrestle Kingdom and then also do the Ultra Heroes Expo because I'm a huge Ultraman fan and mm-hmm. I just want to get a photo of me with like Ultra Seven that will turn into like it'll be a three takes. It'll be one of just the handshake, one of a hug, and one of me <laughs> ugly crying. So, <laughs> and, and then a rare fourth one in which I'm being escorted off premises. But, uh, but anyway. So just for our listeners, tell us a bit about R5 Central. Oh my God. There's a lot. I mean, you don't have to go through the whole history, but you know, what, what inspired you to create that show? It's so funny because for years, I think up until that point, I just wanted a venue because I would just make mm-hmm. these little crazy things for myself and I put them on like Voice Acting Alliance or Flava, which was, what was it? Yeah, fine looking aspiring voice actors. <laughs> God, those are the days, man. It's funny, a lot of those people who like I rubbed elbows with back then, like they're mm-hmm. all now like big shot voice actors now. It's really cool and I'm really proud of them. And a few of them I were, were on R5 uh, way mm-hmm. back when. And, um, but yeah, it was just along the lines like I just really wanted a venue. And I guess I was just looking for a way to express myself and also be like, hey, here's this crazy stuff that I love. At the time, the working title was, uh, was it Central Nexus? And that was, mm-hmm. there was the, the original working title on it. I wanted to go on Blogspot, but then like somebody had taken it and that, that URL and I'm like, God damn it. And so someone who was kind of started dating at the time, I, I went to her and I'm like, uh, wait, which name do you think sounds cooler? Uh, this or R5 Central? And she's like, R5 Central. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's it. Uh, Cause at the time <laughs> I, I was, uh, you know, writer five productions. 
And because it was a combination of, you know, common mm-hmm. writer and then five for Sentai. Oh, uh-huh, I'm clever. And so <laughs> that's how that happened. And then it was a, there's a rare episode zero that has never been uploaded. And that was me trying to figure stuff out. And then episode one where it was very apparent I was still trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> but it, um, I think I was one of the first to do like convention coverage in the sense of editing it like a documentary because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i don't think of anyone else at the time doing it that way oh no it, that's why like back then i enjoyed that content because it was like you're right no one else was covering it in that way yeah and there was always like a weird running storyline with those like convention coverage like i was never would never plan on it but there would always mm-hmm. be like a weird thread like there was the one year that like my ps2 got stolen and i remember that yeah and like we started out the coverage from like <laughs> inside the security station at the Hyatt. <laughs> like that's how the coverage starts. So it was like a like it was like a cold open stinger. Oh man, that was a weird yeah, that was a fun time. But it was just along those lines and I'm like, yeah, let's just do this. And it was also around this point that um and can I, I name drop and I feel weird about name dropping. But um Kyle Abear at the time, like I was kind of sort of still like well, we'll still talk from time to time. Like he's really busy mm-hmm. these days. But like back then, like you know, we'd we'd talk and he was doing uh, the big ball broadcast which I did the theme song for because I won the theme song contest. <laughs> and um, and so like he was doing this and I was like, I should just do a podcast. We should just go for it. And that's how it all started. It's like the first season's really rough. It's really, really rough. But uh, I think it was around that point that like I, you know, I did like Variety Hour, which was like all these random sketches and me just being really weird and just experimenting and like, which you know got me better at audio editing. Well, yeah. And so it's uh, got to that point where I was like, what if I just retooled the entire show with a, a epic storyline? And that by season two, I was into like super robots. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I should also stress the fact that I was my own co-host for the first two years of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would do is because um, at the time um, I would just like go like a slight higher octave and which, you know, the funny thing is, like, I think that's how I got my falsetto was because mm-hmm. of doing R5. And so, because it started going higher. So, you know, so it's like, welcome to R5 Central. You know, like, there's that whole thing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I would just put comedic effects around it. And it was so funny because people thought that I was a completely different person. And mm-hmm. so I revealed, I think it was, like, another podcast or somewhere where I just revealed it was me. And... <laughs> my friend still makes a joke about it where he's like you know i remember my heart being broken that day <laughs> i'm like shut up <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to do like this epic storyline and i was doing more stuff associating more with people on the voice acting alliance and so mm-hmm. we had like a up-and-coming kira buckland she's now like she's been in, like street fighter 5 near automata yeah, she's been all she's all over the place and then she just recently is now in like jojo part four and oh so, wow yeah so yeah she's been really getting out there and i'm I'm really proud of her. And so, like, she was the second voice of I after I was just like, okay, I, I should probably pass this off. But I was like, hey, let's do a Tamino ending and just kill <laughs> off everybody and switch the show over. But then in my young ambition, my young, naive, misguided ambition, I decided to just keep the storylines going. And so suddenly it turned into, like, this big sweeping super robot sci-fi epic. Like, the season ended with me dying and, like, waking up at Asen that year <laughs> And, like, a big battle happening. <laughs> and, 
And it's so funny because I look back on it now. Maybe I'm just my harsh, my own harshest critic. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know about this season. But um, <laughs> um, a good buddy, uh, Chad uh, Williams, who was doing, he does the podcast Jump Men and also was one of the guys responsible for the uh, new adventures of Captain S. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. Like he was listening to the show and we met because we we were just like, oh, my God, we're both fans of each other. What the hell? Because <laughs> supposedly he was on a it was in a car ride and he was playing it for his wife. And she's like, what is going on? And he's like, and I quote, I don't know, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how a lot of people were in, endearing to the show. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, and it grew up over time. Like, I think I once I realized, like, oh, God, I could mm-hmm. do like a magazine with this, like kind of like Top Gear and so I, I kind of started to get more epic and more epic. And yeah, and it's like something I look on kind of bittersweet because like it, it ended badly, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. I mean, I met a lot of really good people. I can make a mixtape of all the, the indie bands I came into contact with <laughs> back then and all the little weird adventures thereof. Yeah. So it's a, it, was a, it was a fun time in my life. That's really where I'm at with that. Well, that was the cool thing about R5 Central. It was like there was news and talking about stuff, but you had this dramatic storyline going too and that was before these story-based podcasts ever were a thing it's so funny like i look at like glinkara or whatever Mm -hmm. anybody from like that whole like channel awesome microcosm and i'm just like oh my god i was totally doing this years like years earlier but in audio a friend of mine once described it as the epic version of mst3k and (laughs) i kind of am inclined to agree with him Mm-hmm. In so much that it's just like, okay, we're doing all this crazy stuff with characters. And, oh, that's the other thing, too. The voice actress for Mai, who is another character who shows up, yes. another co-host, uh, she's actually in Ruby. Oh, no. Yeah, she's the, uh, I forget the name of the character. She's like the the old woman who joins the party in the most recent volume of Ruby. That, oh, okay. That's her. And... I remember when she announced that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) So it's so weird, like how everyone's kind of blown up even after that. Like when God Kira Mm -hmm. went on, I'm not saying like, oh, because of R5. No, No, Uh, no. but yeah, no, like uh, because Kira went off and did her own thing. We had Laura Post who was on um, during the Zodiac Corporation arc, which unfortunately never got finished. (laughs) And uh, so she went on like uh, she's done stuff. Uh, She's in Kill a Kill to name you know, like mm-hmm. in Skullgirls name a few things so it's 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 so funny how everything kind of like went from that point and then uh Kara who ended up being the third voice for I uh, Kara Dennison mm-hmm. my adoptive sister of sorts uh <laughs> one of my longest running uh internet enterprises like oh my god she's become this amazing writer in her own right uh, she actually published a novel and she's been in a couple oh, of charity awesome. anthologies um yeah uh, shameless plug Owl's Flower go get it first volume is for free but anyway <laughs> the takeaway like and even if mm-hmm. I'm ever down on it is like yeah no I you can hear me grow up as we do that show and i think it was when Mm -hmm. we got to series five that like that's my absolute favorite like the best episode to me was the episode where it was like uh it was like uh roar new age of monsters it was the one Mm -hmm. with um we had uh the german kaiju audio drama and what was it negadon the monster from mars was the other thing we talked about on that one. And the, it was just so like, that's my favorite episode of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Cause it just, to me, it was, it represents like the best, like had R5 continued, had I not stopped it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been more of that where it's mm-hmm. just like, there's like a little running narrative within the episode, but it would have just been like, at the end of the day, it's like self-contained fun. But uh, yeah, th- yeah. season five is like, it was for a time where oh, you could only get season five. But then I actually had to take down all the episodes because, um, oh my God, I used an old archiver way back when. 
that was really unstable. And so if you uploaded one episode, it uploaded like five copies of it if you failed. And oh my God. So like, yeah. So like it was just this backlog and I had no means of like correcting it. So there were like people who were like, yeah, I want to go back and listen to the old episodes, but the link you have like cuts it off at a point. And I'm like, oh God. And so I'd have to go back and double check. And so eventually I had to just go to archive.org because it's through archive.org and be like, mm. this is going to suck, but I need you to go through and delete every instance of R5 Central from your archive. And he's like, done. And I was like, that was that. All the episodes are gone. And I'm just like, it was, it was kind of a bittersweet moment because like, oh, cool. I mean, someone snapshot the website. So it's like, okay, cool. So we existed in that. But it's like for episodes, like I'm going to have to do like this crazy, like mega archive for people who really want it. Oh, man. I mean, you have all the files and stuff, right? Like n- oh, none no. of that's yeah, like, yeah. lost. Oh, no, no, that's lost. I think the only thing that might be lost is season one. But again, nothing of value is lost there. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I really do not like season one of R5 Central. <laughs> And I was like, but Mike, the first episode was great. You went to Wizard World. You talked about Harry Potter. I'm like, yes, I talked about Harry Potter on an anime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need to not do that. So, yeah. So I, I one day I think I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to just do like a crazy episode guide and just put that up and have like a big pack that people can download if they want it. I've just been so busy with everything else. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to say about R5 before we move on? Um, Yeah, I know, it was just, uh, what was it? Like, there's this line from, like, this is such an obscure nod. Uh, <laughs> this, like, there's, like, a line from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like, the one of the original drafts, where it's, like, instead of, it's like, you know, like, uh, you know, life moves pretty fast. Instead, it's, like, life's, like, a carousel, like, this giant, like, swirling symphony, whatever, something like that. Yeah. And I'm, like, that's really what R5 was, I think, at its core. <laughs> it's... It was just this phenomenon that I still am blown away at what I pulled off. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. half the stuff I pulled off. And I think it was it was necessary. Like, even for, like, um, the way things ended. Because, like, unfortunately, it's like my – I had, like, some family crisis that I ended up having to kind of, like, sure. stop everything. And it was just – it was too much. But when you have Kylie Bear, who was, like, coming to mm-hmm. me at Ascent and being, like, you are a pro – and like acknowledging it and you know mm-hmm. the fact that i got my gig at ousa because of r5 central mm-hmm. that to me it's just it's this weird testament to this weird interesting part of, like time of my life and i kind of miss it and i kind of don't but <laughs> um but yeah it's it's just it's this kind of paradox in my life and i think that's i yeah. think the best way i can ever describe it so i actually didn't know this i didn't know that you were one of the co-creators of the tokusatsu network yeah um i don't know if i ever well because i didn't put it in like my profile for like the longest time (laughs) and i was like oh yeah i did kind of co-found it oh okay (laughs) (laughs) because again i'm i'm kind of a lot and i have to remind myself sometimes that i did things so it's like oh wait that's right i did dodge a punch from mark musashi that one time (laughs) so you know? oh, I, I, yeah i remember you guys were filming that yeah yeah and it's like uh you know like it's like i said it's my i'm just insane with in terms of my life so it's just i have to remind myself so it's like tokusatsu network and it's one of those things that i am so thankful for like like mm-hmm. unlike r5 where i'm kind of like on the fence about it um being a part of the Tokusatsu Network for as long as I, I was, because I ended up leaving a little bit after the first year. Sure. That's still one of the proudest things I've ever been involved with. And I'm so happy that it is still enduring. I know there was like multiple people that co-created it. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Pa- I was like Paula, a, a Yaz. Big group. Yeah. 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 Everyone. It was 
this massive group. What was just the inspiration behind creating the network? And that was like, what, five years ago now? That right? would have, that, no, that would have been, yeah, 2000, yeah, or yeah, 20, oh God, when was it? 2015? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say like, I want to say like around 20, yeah, 2015, somewhere around there. I can, you know, I'm, I'm just now I can just hear Paula like shaking her fist, like get the year right. God damn it. Uh, but <laughs> the whole thing just started because the, me and a couple other people, we were coming from like uh, a couple different sites and just thinking like there's mm-hmm. some stuff that's wrong with fandom and in terms uh, largely in terms of how the news is being handled. Because mm-hmm. um, you'd have certain sites that shall remain nameless that, you know, and, and there wasn't just them. There were like other sites that were doing this where they would just sure. appropriate headlines and information from people and not credit and then like paraphrase it. And then just so they could get the clicks. And which still happens today. <laughs> yeah. I was just, oh God, well, it's even worse now. But like, yeah, but there was just no quality. It was just, okay, there's a rumor with a grain of salt that was on, you know, found on two channel that totally is the Sentai for next year. And to confess a, a little little truth there for all those people who try to go on two channel and try and gleam stuff, there's usually at least a couple of people who put that stuff up who aren't Japanese who just do that to mess with y'all. Just so <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> a friend of mine had even said like, um, so there's this rumor that's going around right now. Guys, don't tell them I put this up. Let me have this. And I'm like, (laughs) all right, you bastard. I'm going to let you have it. But it was just, it was the quality of this, the news and the journalism and like information in general that was just Mm -hmm. really just terrible. And it it stems from an issue that I had to fight for personally um, back around the time of like what I call the 2K Mm -hmm. wave, which is when you had like everyone coming in because of like Kazaa and Winamax and now shows being a little more accessible, you know, right. all stuff like that. And so like you had these uh, people like, you know, mostly teenagers to like say like college age um, people. Um, and I say college because like my, my uh, favorite, uh, another favorite memory is uh, getting a message from a friend being like, oh my God, man, Cow Ranger versus Super Sentai just came out. We got the rib. We all crammed into my dorm room and watched it on my computer. It was amazing. And I'm like, oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> but um, which by the way, Cow Ranger versus Super Sentai is uh, best team up. Uh, don't at me. Um, but, uh, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you had these people coming in who just saw the landscape and were like, I don't like certain things. Mm-hmm. And tried to rewrite it. So we talk about the Showa era and the Heisei era and whatever. And people rejected that. There were people who mm. would do mental gymnastics and create like these new like classifications and stuff. So like um like Common Rider was like uh generation one was from Rider One to Stronger. Uh Generation Two was Sky Rider to like Sky Rider to Super one or they included black or black rx generation three was shin to J. generation four was kuka onward and it's just it made no sense or he had people that were insisting that common rider died with ishinomori because like kuga was such a deviation uh, yeah which funny thing one of the guys who said that i that was the guy who i kind of botched a tape trade with and i kind of don't regret it <laughs> but <laughs> um full circle yeah full circle <laughs> and uh yeah and that was just one of the guys like there are several people who believe that and i'm just like oh but yeah it was but they, one of the things was that yeah no they just didn't like using show and hey era and the reason that i was given for for not doing that 
and it still hurts my head. It's like being told by someone that there's no room for Tokusatsu at a Power Ranger convention. And mm. it just, it, what is it? They had said something like, I'm not using that because Kamen Rider Black looks nothing like Kamen Rider X. And I'm just like, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> sit and spin on it for dissing uh, Kamen Rider X, who's like my, one of my favorite show writers. Uh, second of all, that is the most pathetic justification. And mm-hmm. so, like, for years, I would correct people. I mean, I would be that asshole. And uh, pardon my French. Um, no, no, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I would be that guy. I'm like, you know, it's like, just you show and hey, Sarah. It's like anytime I hear someone, you know, call, like, writer one comment or Ichigo, I'm like, okay, is he a strawberry? Mm-hmm. No. Are you in Japan right now? No. Are you trying to order a figure where it's direct? No. Then he's writer one. <laughs> and then the, then they come at me like oh well yeah well you're calling him common writer i'm like toei uses that for brand recognition shut the hell up and it's just it's it's just grinds my gears um but yeah it was just it was stuff like that and just all these like wrong facts and whatever and it just would just spiral out it's like you literally had yeah. this stuff at the reins of children you know, you know children at the reins rather and it was just ridiculous. And so everyone kind of came together and we're just like, you know, we're noticing all these problems. And, you know, like uh, there were people who like flat out left the fandom because of their work getting jacked all the time. And we're just like, we should just do something about it. Like we're talking about mm-hmm. it. We should just do it. So like we started talking and like I was working on the logo and the motion graphics and eventually like Paula bought the domain and Tokunet launched. And mm-hmm. it was... We just and we just took, hit the ground running, and it was absolutely nuts. And so before that, we were getting contacts with interviews, and there were people talking about us at Power Morphicon. Me and a, a buddy of mine were like waiting at the announcement for I think it was I think it was the announcement for Dino Charge, and uh-huh. like we were sitting behind these uh, kids, and like they were pulling out their phone and looking up Tokusatsu Network on their phone. And I'm just like, this is so weird to me. But, uh, you know, it's like it was something that people clearly wanted. And it was rough at the beginning because you had Mm -hmm. people that would still try to pull the same stuff. And then we'd be like, yeah, um, if you're going to appropriate our work, could you at least link back to us, please? Sure enough, that kind of got people to change their tune on a few things. So we the landscape changed. Right. And to me, that's like that is still like a testament of everyone's hard work. Like everyone busted their ass whenever it came to stuff like that. And oh, yeah. to this day, I'm I'm still just in awe of what they're able to pull off now, and I'm like I'm still in touch with people for the most part because it's like oh like oh god guys get on this sure. <laughs> you know like I'll send like a link or something, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just something that was needed, and we addressed that need, mm-hmm. and it's something that people again just really you know wanted because like people just took to it in droves like there are people who are like if it's not on Tokenet I don't believe it that's cool yeah. <laughs> So you're not involved with it right now, right? Yeah, I left a little after the first year. Um, there was just, uh, there's some stuff that I needed to, to attend to personally. Oh, sure. Yeah, that I just needed to just, like, it was just to a point where I realized I hadn't been <laughs> trying to attend to myself. And I just kept like running myself like ragged and I burned a couple of bridges um, in the process. And I'm just like, with other people and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I have to go. Yeah. Because this is, I, I don't want to make anything worse for anybody. So I ended up leaving and um, I still like, I'll still like associate with people. Like, it's not like, you know, like I've severed my ties. They're dead (laughs) to me. No, no. If there was a a way now that I could like rejoin, I probably would Mm -hmm. it, but it's not what I need right now. I get that. There are people who have sought me out Mm -hmm. 
in uh, recent years, and it's like I appreciate what you what you want me to do for you, but I I need to focus on me now yeah. for, for like right now. But um, well, yeah, no, I, I do miss it. Recently, just you kind of been blown up on your own because one thing that went like super viral was that Toei Spider Man with the live action movie video cut that you did. Dude, I made the producer of frigging like, what was it like the producer of like Kuga laugh? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so funny. Tom sent me a message. He's like, "Hey, Mike, uh, just so you know, you made like this Toei producer laugh because of the Spider Man thing." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so freaking Kia Asamiya watched it, man. Holy I'm, just, I'm not over that. <laughs> yeah. So. And that was just something that I just had completely on whim. I mean, well, the mm-hmm. first one was just like, okay, seeing the, the Spider-Man tease at the end of the Civil War trailer, I got to put in the Japanese Spider-Man voice. <laughs> and you had to. And so it went from that to being like, really need to do like a next time trailer because of mm-hmm. the Spider-Man Homecoming thing. Like, I really need to do it. And so like, I was like, uh, I like begged my, uh, my buddy Fernando, your Japanese is a lot better than mine. I mean, I can like... With, like, accents, I can sound fluent, but I'm, I'm nowhere near fluent mm-hmm. uh, yet. And he was just like, yeah, no, I can do it. And so he knows my, basically, how crazy I can get. Right. And, and how over the top I am. So he cra- he and I, like, crafted a script that was true to the original spirit of the Japanese Spider-Man mm-hmm. TV series. And so set it to footage and I had like I have the soundtrack to the TV show. And so I had the BGM right there ready to go. And I was just like, let's just put this out in the world. And it just blew up to levels I still cannot comprehend. And to the point where now like I am like associated with Japanese (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. Which is not a bad thing. (laughs) It is not. It really isn't. I just wish it would lead to like, you know, paid work. But unfortunately, (laughs) um, you know, Marvel, hey, give me a call. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, no, for real. Like uh, one of my, you know, pipe dreams would be like if they ever did like a Spider-Man Emissary of Hell limited series that I just let me write it. Just throw it at me because I'm like let's just do it let's just do like toei version of venom and i'll find some way to sneak battle fever j in there let's just go for it <laughs> <laughs> which by the way i'm gonna put this out there right now as well because like you know this this is something i keep seeing battle fever j is not part of the marvel universe guys okay <laughs> i keep seeing this in all the wikis it is not it is literally like you know the earth designation is literally the air date of the first episode of battle fever j backwards Yep. Just like it's just like how they did with Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. It is literally a bit of fanon that was left unchecked. And the only defense I have gotten to leaving this in is, well, maybe it could be canon someday. No, that is not how it works. <laughs> stop. <laughs> just stop, America. Okay. All right, sorry. I just said, uh, that's my soapbox. I'm just going to push that to the side there. It may come back. Well, then another video and and a, a series of uh, uh, tweets that that you did was you did Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So and I love that video with the new Gridman anime. Like 
everything just matched up perfectly and then putting in like tim curry's like laugh at the end and yeah to my, my god that was awesome yeah and that was just something uh it was when i was on another podcast just talking about this and the genesis of that was i'm like i'm watching this because the 4s in sss dr yes. man um for those who don't know what we're talking about that is supposed to represent superhuman samurai cyber squad yeah but it, it is indicative of that but they, i think what it was is they're due to a right situation they couldn't outright call it that Mm-hmm. Or they couldn't link like a direct reference. And then it had a completely different meaning in the final episode, which was so amazing. As I'm watching the show, I'm like, oh my God, why has no one done this mashup yet? Why has no one done a good <laughs> version of this mashup yet? Because they're just people like, let's just take footage from um, Boys and Fent Great Hero, which was the basically the pilot for yeah. for that. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, oh God, I could do this better. I could do this so much better. Like, like, it makes me sound like an asshole, but I'm like, seriously, I'm like, I could do this so much better. And so I, de- like, I got like the first four episodes raw and I was editing it down and I, ha- I had to remake the logo and I got like these really cool, like, um, 2D a- animation effects. Uh, and I just was like, you know, working on it, working on it. And then I, I have a friend of mine who, um, actually, uh, does stuff for anime hell. Uh, oh man anime hell <laughs> yeah and so he because the thing is like i did like a was a, a rogue one mashup and that was shown at anime hell as was the spider-man trailer mm-hmm. and so we were talking and like or i shoot him like here's something that i'm working on i shoot him on facebook and he's like hey mike uh are you looking for someone to do a gary owens impression and i'm like well i was thinking of doing it myself uh you know i was thinking about giving it a shot maybe asking out later but why he's like because Mike, if you let me do it, and if I do it first thing in the morning where my voice is kind of groggy, I can totally do a Gary Owens impression. And he sends me a sample. And my response is, I will wait for you in the morning. Give me your best. (laughs) And so he sends me like six takes and they sound dead on. Like I had to mash up like two uh, separate takes and then like alter timing on one. Just so I could get the timing just right. Because if you sync it up to the original Cyber Squad opening, I think for the most part, it is down pat. Like the exact same timing. And so then that got thrown out into the world and that blew up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The thing I kind of regret about that is that, uh, well, I put the ending with Tim Curry instead of Barry Andel as uh, Kilicon because I used the dub voices. Mm -hmm. Because the main thing, Barry Andel did such a good job in the Gridman dub. And he, like his one direction was basically... Go full Tim Curry. And he did it. And to the point where he even calls a character a meat thing in the final episode. Oh my God. And it's full circle now. <laughs> it is so good. And he, oh. yeah. And what he just like accomplished in that show is amazing. Like, I, he, like mm-hmm. I, if I ever meet him, I want to like shake his hand and buy him a sandwich. Uh, like, I kind of regret that. But at the same time, I'm like, people really want to still hear Tim Curry. You know, I yeah. have to put that little line at the end. You know, and plus it's a little bit of an affectionate nod because I'm like, he's still recovering from a stroke and I would do wish him all the best. I, I hope I can meet him someday mm-hmm. and have him call me a meat thing. And then we go f- and then everything just becomes complete <laughs> and I could get hit like I could get hit by a train right there. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so that led into like you doing this huge analysis of, of every episode with all the different references and towards the end of that, you uh, kind of announced a, a new thing that you've got going on now with Vintage Henshin. Yeah, so Vintage Henshin is, I guess in some ways, is a spinoff of the work that was done with Tokunet. Like, it's not mm-hmm. affiliated with Tokunet at the moment, 
Um, I'm still kind of keeping it very solo. Although I've had pitch sure. had people like close friends come up to me like, you know, like if the time comes, let me know. And I'm like, great. Uh, but I feel like it's still going to be me to start this out. It's going to be very much a slow burn. But it, sure. address, it addresses uh, a lot of the issues I'm still seeing in fandom, which are quality of information. Because mm-hmm. while I was doing Gridman research, there were times I had to go through and do legwork because somebody did not know how to edit a wiki or had their information wrong. Um, yeah. Like I had to go out and physically buy magazines just so I could get, verify information myself. It was insane. Mm. So, like, there's that quality of information and just information resources that are available. Because if you, I mean, God, you look at the friggin' like Wikipedia pages for any Tokusatsu show, and you'll yeah. notice like there in the Japanese page, there's like this mount of like trivia and all this stuff like that, and like perfectly cited and everything. And the English pages look like crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they just look like complete garbage in comparison. And so it's like. It's that's an issue. The fact that we're really not supporting independent creators is another issue. And here comes my other soapbox. The main thing that I find and it and I don't know if it's the same in Japan, but I feel like I feel like in Japan, like there's still more there's still more independent productions coming out. And there's still more like mm-hmm. local heroes coming out. And there's a little more respect to the history. I mean, there was just recently the Tokusatsu DNA exhibit that they just recently had. I forget where it was specifically. Um, where they had like a lot of the old costumes and models on display. And, but the thing is like, you'll have more events like that in Japan. You'll have more attention to like the history, but, uh, that's sure. another, that's another side, like another issue. I'll, I'll get back to that in a sec, but, but like, I'll look at like all these things and I look in America and it's like, we have these like hero Indiegogo campaigns or Kickstarter campaigns that just fall flat. Mm. The thing is I've been involved in a couple of independent productions. So like, uh, you know, I was involved with Gun Caliber. I was involved with Battle Hero Absolute. Mm-hmm. Um, Fujiyama Ichiban. I was the voice of the Dark Hungry in, in like a few episodes, <laughs> and uh, I was the festival voice for Fujiyama Ichiban. It was my first ever hero role. Which fun story there. When I got the message for that, uh, or I got emailed about that by Michi Yamato, the uh, the main brain behind uh, Samurai Action that does Fujiyama Ichiban. Yeah. He was like, hey, so we want you to come back and do the festival. Would you be interested? And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, oh, you want me to be Dark Hungry again? Cool, great. So like, I trained my voice for a week. To like do Dark Hungry, <laughs> and which is really just like oh, you know I'm getting all like this, you know, like that, you know, and you know, be like hungry and doing like my my like, thing is like oh, when I do that, I have to like hold my hands like I'm a Balton from Ultraman, because <laughs> like, uh, the suit actor would always do that whenever he was mm-hmm. in show, and I when I did like ADR, like it always helped. But the thing was that uh, we got there on the day, and he's like, all right, let's go for page one. Uh, you're reading for Fujiyama Ichiban, and go, and I'm like. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I was like I was a deer in headlights that just was realizing the situation. <laughs> and yeah, that that's how I became the, the festival voice. And um but uh yeah, it's like being involved with these productions and god, it's me thinking that like more needs to be done with that, you know. Um Sure. I mean, like even though I left Gun Caliber because of creative differences, like I look at the the campaign for Strega, that should have succeeded. Mm-hmm. Like that should have done a lot better than it did. Uh, or like um, Fujiyama Ichiban, you know, with, with the, the bias aside. Yeah. The thing about that, I mean, God, like how many years have we heard people say, oh, I wish we had common Rider spirits in America. And we have a campaign with design work from the guy behind common Rider spirits. And we have toy design by Siyoshi Nonaka, who is like lead designer of Plex and a God oh my legend. God. And <laughs> you had a show or a project that was 
boasting design work from both of these people and it didn't go through. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that boggles my mind. I mean, I'm glad like Kaiju Gaiden made through, you know, made it in the end. But I'm like, if you're trying to, to make stuff, like that's a huge blow to anyone that's trying to get stuff out there. And like, you know, lack of exposure and whatever, like and lack of support. So right. it's, it, so it's like those three problems. And it's just, it's supporting these indie creators. And then also even looking at the history, because God, it's like, I go to conventions and you'll have common writer panels that will just start at 2000 and you'll have mm-hmm. the, the most offensive video I've ever watched was somebody at a panel. They were t- going to talk about like classic common writer. And they said, yeah, you know, early common writer, it's a lot like classic Doctor Who, which offensive on multiple levels because uh first of all sit and spin again <laughs> because it's like people have tried to say like oh classic doctor who is inac- you know inaccessible and i'm like that's you know complete bullcrap i mean look at twitch look at all the people yeah. that tuned in for the doctor who marathon and they did like an encore god and it's like i, I hate that mindset that you know there are things that are unwatchable you know right. when you totally can you know again you have just have to get in on that joke and so that's where i'm just like mm-hmm. you know i want to do something and I keep coming up with these essays and I keep doing this work and I really want a venue and a way to just share what I love again. And that's where Vintage Tension comes in. And it was a spinoff of my Tumblr blog, again, God rest its soul, uh, that basically was like, I was posting like uh, behind the scenes photos and things like that. But I was also starting to go into like analysis and essays. Like one of the things I wrote was a roadmap mm-hmm. to the Ultraman multiverse and things like that it's like a deeper cut that people need to just kind of educate themselves because they really do because there is a lot of misinformation out there and i'm glad that you are this one of these resources to be like look do the research fact check a little bit here's what's really going on oh yeah i just wish more people would do it too Mm -hmm. resources are out there i mean the main limitation is the language barrier which yes. in, in time, I want Vintage Tension to be like, you know, maybe I'll do like, an, like, or I really want to do like an article a month and a video essay a month. And it'll slow build. And eventually, like, maybe we'll do more. And then maybe I'll do, I think the plan is to do like a Patreon at some point and have that become like self-sustaining. Sure. And then I also want to do things like get exposure for indie creators. Like, you know, I want to do like little mm-hmm. spotlights, you know, like this, like, you know, like bring people on and yeah. talk. Or I really want to try and archive as many like lost indie productions as possible. Because, I mean, people don't realize, I mean, this goes back years. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. know if you, like, you knew about this, but like, you know, there was a common Rider fan film like way back in like the early 80s that was made on a American soil. Wow! I no, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, um, oh yeah, August was involved. A, a young Steve Wong was involved. Who later worked on Guyver Dark Hero. Oh wow! It was made for a fan film competition in Japan, and it exists somewhere on YouTube. But I think like the quality isn't that is like not that great. Like knowing that, like that just is just mind blowing. It's it's absolutely just it's shocking and amazing, mm-hmm. and. It's another facet of that adventure that I was talking about. Like, it's it's just another little journey that I can go on. Because, I mean, God, like, there's stuff, like, back in the, the those pages of Uchusen that just are lost forever. Like, there were common Rider fan films that were made that yeah. are lost to time. There's, like, this whole series of, like, common Rider Amazon films shot entirely on video with, like, costumes that aren't that great. Mm-hmm. But, like, the heart is there. And, like, the original actor who plays Amazon is in it. And so finding stuff like that. And at the same time, I hope I can encourage more people to, like, archive their stuff. Like, the other the other percentage of the problem there is that there are some people who are still afraid of the internet. 
there's this this really great show that I recommend, and it's uh, it's across two separate channels, but you can find it. it's called P Man. So P Dash Man. So like it's you know a parody of P Man. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and it's the most imaginative, the most clever, the most fun. I've really had with a Japanese mm. indie tokusatsu series. And every episode is like three minutes, like three to five minutes. Each one is incorporating a new medium. Like one's doing stop motion, one's doing CG animation, one's doing models and puppetry. And it's just a hardcore tribute to the old days. And I just, I wish more people knew about it. And unfortunately the creator like has made like another movie, but they have not posted that online. And it's like, you have to mm. go to these like secluded events to find it. And I, I want to make that stuff more you know, accessible and give them more of a venue. And it works, you know, making that effort. Cause God, I mean, when like way back, there's a show called, um, what was it? Uh, line, the barbarian SFX giant legend line. And line is best described as Ultraman meets Rambo. And <laughs> what? yeah, it is the craziest thing, but it's so well done. Like the creator's gone back and like remade the kaiju fights. Like, so he used the old footage from like the eighties, but like the footage will be completely brand new when they do the city shots. And it's so good. Like, wow. and the thing was, is for years, you'd only get it if you could find it on VHS or you could track down a DVD, like at a really obscure location. So mm-hmm. way back during the R5 days, I uploaded the line, the barbarian opening and someone involved with the production company with the group was like, hi, I'm the creator. Could you please upload some more stuff? And I want to say about a couple years later, rapid progress, that group, they now have have every episode of line available on youtube oh wow so like i feel like i spurred them on i really feel like i spurred them on with that and i mean if it's not it's a real i'm really thankful for that uh, coincidence <laughs> but yeah like that's the stuff and i just want to really you know encourage more people to make stuff mm-hmm. i mean because like as much uh, fun as i had being you know involved with power rangers unworthy the thing is if you took those same resources and made an original mm-hmm. project you know that you could you yourself own and you don't have to like rely on an IP. Exactly. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. Cause if that's my biggest pet peeve, like there are some good power Ranger fan films. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, if you sure. want to play around with the IP, go ahead and be my guest. But there are people doing like full blown series. And I'm just like, you guys, if you just took that and made your own thing, and just yeah. stripped out the Power Rangers name, you've got a really good show. Like that's why I'm, I'm rooting so much for Jaminger. Uh, yes. I'm yes. I'm rooting for them because I'm trying not to throw shade. Like <laughs> I, like I I look at the Indiegogo and I just like I mm-hmm. wish there were better offerings, and I'm rooting for them. I really want that to succeed yeah. so much, and I'm just like I think it's just I'm I'm looking you know my comment about the the offerings. I'm just like I'm just paranoid. I'm like the the scared parent watching their kid like at like the little league oh, game sure. like. <laughs> Son, you have to do this. I believe in you. I don't want you to get hurt. You know, so it's more like that than anything. But yeah, like I'm rooting for that hard. And so, and I want more stuff like that. Yeah, because you can play around with the genre, but you don't have to base it on a particular team. Make up your own team. Exactly. And that's one of the great things why I I want Jammingers to succeed so much was because we haven't really had a musical totally based music sentai like that yeah i've said like one of the greatest things i think sentai could do is like i'm not into sports but like a sports themed sentai would be sweet we were supposed to get that (laughs) that's right right and oh but, but that's the thing if people can take those ideas and just make your own yeah. And fortunately, Ivan, who is Deca Mexican, created Jammingers, 
I mean, he's such a talented individual, and that's why he did the suits. He helped that, you know, he made the helmets like this and that, the, the concept designs. And so, you know, out the gate, I think they already look amazing. And, yeah. and, and yeah, you're right. I want that to succeed to show people like, hey, you can do your own creative thing without relying on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Exactly. And I, I would love nothing more for that to really pull off. Now, if we could just mm-hmm. get like a Metal Hero project. I mean, granted, I mean, I might be working on something, but, <laughs> um, you know, I might have be working on or might have been doing stuff for like the past couple of years on something. <laughs> you know, like, I'll just say stay tuned on that front. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's but it's something that like, you know, and I want Vintage Henshin to encourage that. And I hope yeah. that in time, I can provide more resources for that. So uh, right now I'm kind of waiting on like carpal tunnel release surgery. So <laughs> I'm going to be out of the picture for a little while um, in terms of writing. But sure. uh, I hope when the time comes, I can still get that. I, mean, I really want to work on that over the summer and get something by maybe the fall or maybe late mm-hmm. August. So that's just a soft uh, deadline. Don't quote me on that though. Because <laughs> um, I mean, now it's like, as soon as I say that, oh wait, the water main breaks. Or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and of course, now I knock my toy acceptor off the desk. God <laughs> d- uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just a big champion of indie Tokusatsu and I, I mm-hmm. love being involved with it. That's just one of those things. And it goes back to R5, you know, like sharing yeah. what I love. And it's, it's like also the history as well. Cause again, I just, I hate that we don't acknowledge anything from before 2000. Like, I mean, God, like things like Guyford or Shanzerion are just like ignored. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like now these shows are being fan subbed. And I'm so happy for that. Like, Bycrossers fan sub now. I can't believe that. Shoot, we're getting, like, licensed subbed Jetman. Yeah, and I cannot believe that that's even a thing now. Like, my, like, 10-year-old self, if you told him that, he would probably have a heart attack and there'd be a paradox. But <laughs> that is still mind-blowing. Now, the, but also the fact that Jaspian is coming out. Mm. The fact mm-hmm. that we have a Jaspian set coming. But that and Message from Space, I cannot believe that we're getting that. When Garo came to like licensed Blu-rays, and I'm like, holy crap! Remember how many <laughs> how many years of false starts we had with yeah, that? No kidding. Oh god! Like yeah, because there was a time that like there was the rumor that like Media Blasters wanted it. Oh, like, sure. somebody else got got to it first, and it, it was almost to a point like when even they made the announcement for the actual sets that came out. I was like, I'm not gonna believe it until. <laughs> It's actually in my hands. And when it was, I'm like, my God, it's happening. This yeah. is incredible. Yeah, I feel bad because I haven't bought it yet. Um, I've had to like hold back and be super frugal. But like, I mean, the second like Flower of Makai comes out, I'm like br- kicking down doors. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because that's like my favorite, one of my favorite seasons. That's so amazing that well, that we're is just, available. We're entering this time where it's like, it feels like anything is possible. Yeah, and I just hope it's not the end times knocking on wood again. Uh, (laughs) And I hope that with my work, hoping that'll inspire more people to kind of take it up. And at the same time, I'm hoping that, you know, the next generation that's coming in will be able to just, you know, see this wide world in front of them and go crazy. Well, once they muscle past the Power Ranger gag reflex. But it's like, because that's the thing that stops a lot of people cold. Oh, yeah. So like, oh, God, this looks like Beetleborgs. And then I have to resist the urge to punch them and be like, oh, (laughs) you don't know. (laughs) Well, we have uh, quite a few questions from... uh uh tyler waldman uh oh good old tyler uh, our our good our good friend so we'll just kind of power through these oh boy so he said toei is about to do dinosaurs in sentai again (laughs) 
Common Rider, however, repeats itself far less often. Uh, why do you think that is? Uh, do audience age out at different times, or does Bandai have more pull on the Sentai? See, I think because Sentai is... <laughs> Yeah, Sentai is uh, Toei's chief export. Uh, no, but um, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like because of the the export value, I think that's mm-hmm. why Bandai has a little more say with it. I remember hearing musings that like Sentai maybe wasn't doing so hot, and that like this is like a yeah. last ditch. It's like, hey, people really like dinosaurs. Let's just take everything people <laughs> like from dinosaur seasons and combine it. I saw the new trailer that came out for it like the first tease that, that we got for Rue Soldier. And yeah. at the end, I swear to God, that's the same voice actor who did the Gabarinchu from Kiruger. If that is Shigeru Chiba, I will have to buy that stupid bracelet again. I'm going to I'm gonna have to buy another henshin belt because it's like I have to get that on principle. It's like the Norio Wakamoto henshin belt. Like I have to own it. Well, I made a joke. I'm like, this is going to be like Dino Charge season three. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, technically, I mean, if we really want to go there, would that be like what? Season four now? Because right. it's like, <laughs> God, because you have like Dino Charge, Super Dino Charge. Then you have Dino, was it like, uh, was it Dino Force Brave or whatever? Yeah. And, and it's Korea, like, and, yeah, it's God, uh, well, I mean, I'm okay with more Curator, but at the same time, sure. I'm like, I just want Sentai to be good again. I just really, because <laughs> I, I just feel like Sentai to me has been very repetitive to the point of ad nauseum. Yeah. Like Lupat, there was, you know, the reveal with um, the Six Ranger, you know, and it's like the exact same plot twist we've had for two separate shows within the span of five years. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like Sentai is repetitive because I feel like it's very, very much on thin ice. I really feel like it's indicative of that. And Mike's dream Sentai would be um, (laughs) basically you go back to the age of like live men to an extent, but something that can walk the line. Like Tokyuger Mm -hmm. could walk the line between silly and and dramatic. So give me something like that with like really clever mechanical design and not just something Mm -hmm. that just slapped together. Really good villain design, like bring back face villains, like actual people inside like armor and stuff. Yes. Bring that back. And then for the love of God, no more Red Ranger catchphrases. No more. We just <laughs> stop that now. Like, I remember I posted that on Twitter and people were coming at me. It's like, well, technically, you know, Go Busters, they had catchphrases. I'm like, I'm talking about the 15 billion times in Curator that I hear, yeah. Yosha Lucky! And I'm like, I, I, I had to tune out. Like, it was just, I was yeah. a point where I was just like, I can't watch the show. It's stressful. <laughs> so so that, that to me is why I think that it, it repeats. And I think it is maybe the aging out. Like, I know the... At least for, as far as common Rider is concerned, the retention time is three years. Oh, okay. So, so like, I think there was, like, an event or something, and, like, so I think it was, like, Masami's... What was the name of the actor who played Philip in Double? And I think, supposedly, he was there, and he said his line, and nobody knew. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I think it's a little larger than three years. So, I really think that the repetitiveness is like, well, if they don't remember, if the kids don't remember, we can get away with it again. And the, which is why we've had like not one, not two, but three d- separate Live Man remakes. <laughs> uh, okay, so his next question is uh, more Tokusatsu is coming stateside, not just Sentai, but we've got Amazons on Prime uh, US. We've got uh, Juice Beyond. I'm probably saying that wrong. Just think, just think, just Beyond. So Justice and Champion. Oh, Just Beyond. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, Garo, where's Just Beyond coming out from? The wonderful people at Discotech. Our, our, our lords and saviors at Discotech. <laughs> like, and is it is it going to be like a Blu-ray or just DVD? Um, it'll be standard uh, definition um, okay. um, Blu-ray. And then they're also releasing uh, mes- uh, Message from Space Galactic Battle. So yeah. The, mes- the Message from Space TV series, which y'all need to watch. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, well, no, it's uh, Message from Space uh, is basically Toei going, so what if we just ripped off Star Wars? Oh, no. But add Samurai <laughs> in it and also Sony Chiba. And it's from the director of Battle Royale. And so, <laughs> however, it is still the greatest movie ever um, because, like, the model work is amazing. And, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, a running gag where it's like, okay, so basically, like, Japan ripped off A New Hope with Message from Space. So then Lucas got them back by ripping off of the reactor sequence from Message from Space for <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> like, if you watch Message from Space and then watch the, the final battle of the Death Star 2, I mean, oh my God. Anyway, go on, go on. I'm going to have to watch it. Uh, yeah. but, but he said, if you had an executive's ear, what are a few shows, retro or not, that you'd want them to bring over? Ultraman on Blu-ray, Criterion style with new commentaries, um, I want mm. Spacer of Gavon also on Blu-ray with like new interviews by Kenji Oba and like as much behind the scenes stuff as possible uh, and non-crap audio. And um, let's see. Um, and then just because I really want a really good quality DVD version of this again, I want Zone Fighter. Uh, I think that would be great because of the Godzilla connection. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> those are the three off the top of my head that I can think of. But, uh, like, as I saw this question, I'm like, well, I mean, there's shows, but, like, the one thing I really want movie-wise is I want a, I want a Criterion mm-hmm. Collection release of Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Just, just do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would be more than happy. But, yeah, I just feel like Gavon... I would yeah. love to see Gavin, because I, I haven't really... Like, I saw when they did, you know, the crossovers more recently, but, you know, I, I don't know a lot about the older show. Oh my gosh. Well, it's technically the successor of Spider-Man as far as I'm concerned. Right. Like, cause I mean, if you look at the color palettes for Spider-Man, for Gavon and for like Sun Vulcan and mm-hmm. as well as Battle Fever J, like it's the exact same like color palette and just a lot of the same shooting styles. Well, it's the Japan Action Club. Like they did, they really shot for the edit, but they were also really smart about it. Yeah. Gavon is such an amazing show. It, it, it's my favorite, probably my favorite, like Tokusatsu hero show of all time. And I would love for more people to watch it just on that. The, the action hierarchy alone. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, grant that's going to be great though, that they can use that for message from space because Hiroyuki Sonata is in, uh, both the movie and the TV series. Mm. So, um, I would love it if they could do Gavon and play off of that, but, uh, for sure. And then also I just want Ultraman on Blu-ray, uh, Ultraman or, yeah. or Ultra seven on region one or, you know, whatever region Blu-ray. And with like, again, with criterion level stuff, because like the stuff that was on the Godzilla release was cool because they found like this lost archive of like matte painting, like before and after shots, Ooh. Which, is, which was really cool. But I'm like, I want more. I want like Akira Kurosawa. <laughs> it is wonderful to create tier documentaries. And if not, um, if they don't exist, uh, call me. I will help you produce them. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, those would be the big ones. Like, those are the ones mm-hmm. that I know for sure. Or the, or not even that. Just give me Spider-Man. Just give me Spider-Man on DVD. Fine. Oh, Marvel, that... you cowards. Uh, just do it. 
just do it um so tokusatsu has had many actors who return to do role after role hiroshi mayuchi kenji oba mark musashi michigo soga who do you consider the most iconic performer voice actors included in the history of tokusatsu oh that's a that's a loaded question (laughs) because here's okay machiko soga right away like comes to mind as far as acting is concerned i Mm -hmm. think she's absolutely like basically zoo ranger is the bandora show and you cannot tell me otherwise yeah as much as i love the main cast in that show and and, like the story does pick up after a while in zoo ranger but like Mm -hmm. you're watching for bandora but machiko soga is just she's a powerhouse um, mm-hmm. She's in Gavon, actually. She's she's a monster in Gavon, and she has her fro and everything, and it's so good. <laughs> but uh, I think, in terms of iconic, and this is going to be uh, coming out of left field, I'm going to say it's uh, going to be Shozo Izuka. Uh, Shozo Izuka is a voice actor who's like he's been in everything, but he's most remembered as the voice of Hakaider in the original Hakaider TV series. Oh. And he has been, he's been in so much tokusatsu. Like he's been all over the place. Like, like anytime there's like a very burly villain, it's more than likely it's him. Mm-hmm. He was also the voice of uh, Gabada in Akamizer 3. Oh my God. Like I can't like this, the length and <laughs> breadth of what he's been involved in. Like I just, mm-hmm. when I, when I think of like tokusatsu villain, I think of him. Like, I mean, God, he's in Sun Vulcan. He's the main uh, leader of, of um, Black mm. Magma because he's Hell Saturn in uh, oh, Sun Vulcan. I'm hitting my table a lot. I know the editing is going to be a lot more fun because of it. <laughs> no, it's um, all right. <laughs> but um, when I think of Tokusatsu villain, I think mm-hmm. of Shozo Izuka. And when you hear his voice, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. God, he was in, like, one of the P-Man movies, actually. He mm. was, like, the, they made a Hakaider-type character just for him. And he showed up and to be that voice. Like, he came out of retirement. And I just wish he wow. would come back and do more more stuff yeah uh, yeah easily it's him for voice acting machiko soga as an actress Mm -hmm. i wish yutaka hirose would would do more stuff but he was like the man for like the 80s and 90s i just wish like he did more stuff because he was one of my favorite villains but yeah like definitely for sure so shozo izuka and machiko soga Nice. And then uh, lastly, uh, the Spider-Man Toku is widely known and got a tiny shout out in Spider-Verse. What other Western hero do you think could work in such a hyper-realistic world? Uh, In my opinion, Adam West Batman was halfway there. I mean, well, yeah, but did you like read the Batman manga? Because that's basically it. (laughs) Right. Like, like, I'm not kidding. Like, it's Jiro Kawada, who is the man behind uh, the comic Eight Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did uh, Batman manga for uh, Shonen Gahosha, which was like publishing a lot of like American comic books at the mm. time. Um, one of, uh, was Ipek, I think it was Ipekuri, who was one of the guys behind uh, Tatsunoko Productions, the same group that put out like Speed Racer and oh, okay. uh, Gotcha Man and stuff like that. Like, he, God, he loved American superheroes. So, like, when Shonen Gahosha um, did Superman, like, he mm. would do, he, he actually drew for the Japanese Superman comic. It's possible to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Batman is that perfect fusion of that hyper stylized world. Um, there's also a Moon Knight manga, but that's, like, super rare. Uh, it was done during the time of, like, the, the Toei Marvel uh, alliance. And, um, but I'm trying to think, like, if we had to move away from that, mm-hmm. what could totally work in that? I'm going to say maybe Fantastic Four is like a Sentai would be kind of interesting. Ooh. Uh, that would be kind of fun. I think that's the big one. I think mm-hmm. it would be Fantastic Four. And just doing that is like a crazy sci-fi show with like like different varied special effects mm-hmm. every week. Th- yeah, that'd that be would pretty be, sweet. That, 
like make that like a P production show. Uh, P productions is the group that did like uh, Lion Maru and Spectre Man. Oh and yeah. Mogar. And the thing about them, I think they were a, a touch more imaginative than mm. Toei. Like they're a little more ambitious because um, they were starting around like the, the six like the sixties with ambassador magma. And it's like, even then they were, they were experimenting with animation. They were using matte paintings. They were using stop motion, just whatever got the effect down. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, they didn't rely on quick cuts. Like it was just, they put that extra effort into it. So I think if you did a fantastic four show with like peak P pro, I think that would be something really wild. And I, I, I would, I probably would love to see the universe where that existed. Yeah. Fantastic four would be pretty sweet. I think mm. that would really work. <laughs> <laughs> or even some kind of maybe Justice League or something, but in a in a more Sentai type of, I don't know, just bring big robots into anything. Make it good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if it was like, I think the best way to do it would be to do it in the 70s. It's, yeah. It would either have to be in the 60s or 70s, because that's where, like, you could get away with a show like that. Like, Spider-Man could have only happened in 78. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, Oc- like Occumizer 3 could have only happened, you know, 75. And I think... Occumizer 3 very much is that fusion. But actually, if you want like to see a, like a more offbeat version of that, mm-hmm. I recommend watching the Kage Star. Because okay. that that is how that show was conceived. Mm. Is it was like, let's just do an American comic book in Tokusatsu style. And it's right down to the character design. It's it's basically it's supposed to be an American comic book. Nice. You'll you'll have to give me like a bunch of links to this stuff so I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you got your work cut out. For you. <laughs> link to people. I want to touch on because we mentioned it before. Your work in uh, Power Rangers Unworthy. Oh yes. And Ash at uh, the Macabre Chap uh, asked uh, Power Rangers Unworthy was such a great fan film and the Arbiter was such an intriguing character. How did you get involved with the project and how did you conceptualize and create the voice for the character? Well, I mean, I literally had to blackmail everybody. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, no, uh, how I got into it, it was, uh, this was around the time when, um, I mean, it's, I'm still associated with them for the most part. Because, like, uh, through my work with Art School Dropouts, because I co-wrote a web series mm-hmm. um, with them. And uh, actually appeared in like episode three of it as like an over the top dungeon master. Um, but uh, it was like through my association with art school dropouts, which is the name of the channel. Go check them out. Uh, shameless plug. And uh, I, that I got to associate more with the guys from uh, common ramen studios. And so I worked with them on a chroma squad fan. Ah. Film. And so I was the voice of the epic Japanese narrator in that. <laughs> and so what ended up happening is they were like, hey, so we're doing a uh, Power Ranger fan film. Originally, I was asked if I could do the voices of both Tommy or Lord Draken and the Arbiter. And originally my voice, I cannot do like impressions are like my weakest aspect. Mm-hmm. Like I can't really, like I, I don't have like a go-to. Like I have like impressions of like various cliches, but right. I do not have like... Uh, like I can't do like a Tommy impression off the top of my head. And I like that voice would sound similar for whatever I would use for Draken. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Arbiter kind of just jumped at me because I, I don't get villain roles. Mm. I, I really don't. It was so interesting because I was looking at him and I'm like, oh God, he's, he looks so bad. And I'm like, how, <laughs> how am I going to convey that? So uh, prior to doing that, I was doing Twitch streams mm. and I was playing Super Robot Wars X and there's a character in that called uh, his name's Spiro. He's like this li- this little like parrot or whatever. And um, the voice I came up with him was like very sort of a 
push uh, RP British, mm. uh, sort of. I mean, it's, it's it's not exactly perfect, you know. Uh, so it's like right around that, like very much like you know, like like a, like a butler, yeah. You know, it's like he's like you know, it is time for your writing lesson, you know, things like that. And so it went from taking that voice and then adding a bit more of a snarl to it, and mm. like adding and the, the distortions kind of like enhanced it where it's just like Tommy Oliver of Earth 9-1 whatever you know like yeah. the whole thing you know it's like and it, it's, it would take a couple tries because I would have to like really go back in there and be you know but like my favorite line is always like run hide it makes no difference the Power Rangers are no more like you have to you have to put that burn into it <laughs> in order to, to pull it off yeah and um that's my favorite line. It's like it's it's like between that and like you know the power protects you no longer. And so um, that was that was a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, I I love that. And so it was uh, just coming up with that. And it's so funny talking to Jordan about it. He's like, he give me like a little bit of backstory, and uh, I'd kind of guessed it from the get go. And he's like, dude, it was meant to be. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so right now I'm waiting on episode two because like I, it's supposed to be coming out this month, but I guess uh, they just wrapped uh, shooting. Mm. So I'm hoping, yeah. So like basically ADR is like the dead last thing. So we basically have to uh, <laughs> wait for that now to come through. And I'm just like seeing all these photos and I'm like, when's it coming? I want to do this already. But uh, yeah, it's a character unlike any I've ever played before. He really is compelling mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see where they go with him. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in in episode two. I thought uh, the first version. I just I really like the alternate universe take on on those characters, and oh yeah, it, it's 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 pretty nice. So I'm it, yeah, they really um, they captured what really worked about mm-hmm. the the original. I mean, like they added their own spin to it, but it was still very much like the fun of the original. And I think it was like the thing that I. And I'm probably going to attract a lot of ire for this. Uh, the thing that was kind of missing from the uh, Lionsgate Power Rangers movie, sure. which I remember seeing that in theaters. And it was like after like the big scene, like the big flashback. And then it's just the smash cut to the grungy Power Rangers logo in the bottom right hand corner. I laughed out <laughs> loud so hard in the middle of the theater. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm in for a ride, aren't I? I think it's just the fact that it wasn't afraid of what it was. Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest flaw when it comes to a lot of adaptations and stuff like that. It's just, it's being afraid of going what I call full spandex. And you just got to go for you it. Have, you have to love it. And if you don't, you, you have to embrace it. Yeah. I mean, God, um, if you want to want like actual heartbreak, find the original previs of the putty fight from the movie. It goes on mm. for like two minutes and it is amazing. And it only it, it gets like condensed down to like, 40 seconds in the final version. And it's funny uh, because the choreography of that previs went on to inspire how they did the action in Unworthy. The punches feel real. There's a weight to it, yeah. to, to the action in that. And that was one of the things I liked it because it, it felt brutal when you're watching it. Yeah. And it was, yeah, they did such a good job on that. I, it's so weird. I mean, I wish I'd been there to, mm-hmm. to you know see the award and everything like that i remember being like glued to my phone and being like <laughs> did we get it did we get it and i get the message we're in top two mike and i'm like F-, you know like yeah. you know <laughs> like you know i'm freaking out like instagram it's like you know my instagram it's literally just like the the highlights from that day were like oh my god update oh my god second place oh my god first place you know i'm just going down the way <laughs> um i was probably annoying the hell out of everybody but whatever yeah that first episode i i love it to death i'm hoping that as we move in that you know things are just gonna, it, it'll keep up 
I mean, I hope that the full series oh, can yeah. come to fruition because I know they were planning. Oh, Jordan's planning on doing like six episodes, if I remember correctly. I don't know if he's like, I, oh, sweet. I, I think he's announced that he's planning on doing six. So um, we'll see what happens. I'm just fingers crossed. For sure. And then also wanted to uh, lastly touch a bit upon uh, your your writing work uh, just for, you know, just on the anime side of things with uh, Otaku USA. Oh, totally. So maybe tell the audience a bit about your, your work with that. Because you even did like a, a podcast for them, right? Yeah, I did Friday Ace, um, yeah. which, yeah, that was... Um... That was that was a fun experience. Basically, they were like, "Hey, Mike, this news format thing seems really interesting. You can just do whatever you want." And I'm like, "All right, let's go." And <laughs> that's how I did it. And uh, I pissed off the AKB48 fandom at one point, which was great. But uh, I digress heavily. Let's let's go back to the the beginning <laughs> of this. Okay, so like I said, my work on R5 got noticed, and uh, I was doing a blog at the time called Justice Ace at the at, while I was doing R5. Mm-hmm. And Daryl from uh, Anime World Order and I were talking and he was like, hey, you know, Patrick Macias is looking for people to write. You should totally go for it. And I'm like, eh, if I'm good enough, uh, you know, like whatever. I was hemming and hawing until finally, I can't remember if I sent the samples over or somebody else sent the samples over, but he contacted me. And I remember very vividly, <laughs> of course, I, I made this discovery at ASEN. Um, <laughs> and this is like. I had just turned 20 or I turned 21 and my friends were like, oh, we're going to get you plastered. And I'm like, nope. And I pushed past a friend to get out to the uh, <laughs> to the like little lobby area. <laughs> and this is back when the Hyatt had like computer, like full computers that you could sit down and use in the, uh, oh, the, right, right. Like, the lower level. And so I sat down and I'm like, all right, I'm going to use the Internet. And so I'm sitting there and I'm wearing like a tank top and shorts and with socks. And <laughs> this is back when they were still kind of leaning about that sort of thing. And I'm there and I access the Internet. And I go to my email and it's an email from Patrick Macias. And he's like, Hey, I saw your work. Um, I'd love to have you write for the magazine. Please give me some pitches. And I'm like, you know, like I'm freaking out, <laughs> like not literally to that extent, but I'm just like, my eyes are wide and I'm like clinging onto the desk. I'm like, this is amazing. So like, I, I must've sent him like 15 pitches. And then the one he went for was the adaptation of a blog post. And so I had like a feature, like my, my first feature, and it was all about like the year of like super robots with like Garen Lagan and writing and whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, and it was around that time that uh, Patrick was like, hey, so you're doing a uh, you're doing R5 Central. I think it'd be cool to have a column based on that. Would you be interested in doing that in the Tokyo Scope section? And I'm like, OK, so <laughs> for a year. I ran the RFI Central column in Tokyo Scope, where I talked about Tokusatsu and a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, it was a good run. It was a good run. And I, again, that's one of the things I have to remind myself because I was cleaning out my closet and I found my, my comp issues of OUSA. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. I did do the R5 column. Whoops. <laughs> I should probably put that on some type of resume or something. And so, like, I did that for a while. And in the process of doing OUSA, like I got like some of my first major interviews. Um, yeah, I got to interview Hikari Utada, and uh, which I, I I was watching your uh, top five uh, R five Central <laughs> video yeah. uh, last night, and just that whole story with you know Hikari Utada like calling your house, and I'm like. <laughs> My God, you, you must have been over the moon okay. with that. Yeah. So basically, because, uh, okay, so to recap that real quick, um, this is around the time of This Is The One, which was her second US album. This is, uh, yes. So it was funny because it was around that point that rumors, or not rumors, it was like, I mean, there were some rumblings about, like, mm-hmm. okay, like she's putting out a new US album. 
I I emailed her MySpace page and they didn't respond. And I was like, okay. So I, I just on complete whim, I messaged our music guy at uh, OUSA. And I'm like, hey, so question. Uh, have you heard anything about the new album and, and that there's like a press day or something? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. They haven't really said anything about that yet. I don't know if they're really doing anything as of like right now. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And I thought I'll just move on to the next thing. The next day, he's like, dude, man, they literally sent me an email like right after we your last one. <laughs> they just announced the press day for the new album. I can get you a spot. And I'm like, here's my phone number and my available time spot. And so I had like something like eight o'clock in the morning or something like that. It was, it was early. So I'm sitting there and I'm like nerve wracked. Cause like, I have to try and get information about the new album out of her. Like that was the restriction. And they're like, okay, you can only talk about the new album. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm just like, oh God, when are they going to call? And then I just randomly get a, 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 like a phone call from Universal. And I'm like, okay. I pick up and I'm like, hello. It's like, Hey, is it it's like, Hey, uh, is this uh Mike Dent? I'm like, yeah. It's like, hi, this is Utada. And I just am like, hi. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, so a uh, question. Um, yeah, we just had a bit of a, like a, a schedule change. Would you mind going a little bit earlier? And I'm like, yeah, no, that, that's fine. No problem. She's like, thanks. You're so accommodating. And my heart melts, like vaporizes on the spot. I'm like, no problem. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs> and, and I'm like rocking back and forth. Like, oh my God, Hikaru Tata just called my house. Hikaru Tata just called my house. Hikaru Tata just called my house. And I wanted to save that phone and get her to sign the battery back. But then like that phone got crushed in like an accident. So that was just a crazy interview in and of itself because it was just, uh, and I think that really groomed me for the, just the kind of that press lifestyle because I lived that for several years. And I think that's what kind of burned me out on ASAN after a while because I was just like putting up with so much BS because you learn, yeah. you learn all the different rules in the process. And like, I picked that up while doing OUSA. Like for instance, we went to the Jam Project concert and uh, at Oticon and I think that was 2008 and so it was me, Tyler, Gerald from AWO, and a couple other people. And so we're like, oh, press gets let into the arena early. And I'm like, great. So where's the press section? Over here by the mix boards. And it's like, oh, yeah, we want to give the front row priority to the fans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> However, that is not the most ludicrous thing I've ever had to deal with. Um, typically, if you're at like a center or something, or not, or not even at a like other uh, conventions will do this. Oticon does this where you'll have a handler who will tell you specific rules uh, regarding specific people. So like, for instance, like this person will only sign these autographs. So like uh, when Gona Guy was at AX mm -hmm. um, this past year, he was there um, for uh, Cutie Honey Universe. So he would only sign Cutie Honey stuff. He wouldn't sign any Devilman stuff, which was a dumb move because Devilman Crybaby was a sweeping success that year. Uh, last year and oh my god but uh yeah it's like little things like that like uh you can only take photos during the first three songs and then you have to leave or get your cameras checked the last time i had to deal with that was at asen and there was like massive miscommunication to the point where i had to be snuck in to the venue jeez, oh, to, to try and get there and as soon as i got to the front row they're like okay so uh just so you know press is getting kicked out i'm like aren't we checking cameras no you guys are just getting kicked out and I'm like, okay. Hmm. So Flo goes in, they're doing their, their music. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of, these are all like B-sides and whatever. And then we get kicked out. And just as we're leaving, they start the God Code Geass opening. Oh, jeez. I was so mad. <laughs> like, 
uh, and I was just like, I'm never doing this again. I'm done. And um, <laughs> I was so I was so miserable. And it's uh, but it's like that's that's that whole anime you know industry journalist life. I'm like, oh my god, right. there's all sorts of other little stories there, but I won't go into. But yeah, like that time at OUSA was just crazy because I mean I got to talk to you know Tokazi Seki. Mm-hmm. I got to like you know meet Kappa Yamaguchi. Uh, you know, getting to talk to Jam Project for a little bit was a lot of fun. And that, again, it was part of that bizarre, weird. Mm-hmm. crazy time in my life that and it's just the fact that it's like i can live and say i'm like oh my god so there was a time i was traveling the country and i was writing for a major magazine <laughs> the <laughs> irony of that is that i was friends with someone at the time on <laughs> on a certain mmo that shall remain nameless and we kept talking offline mm-hmm. and they and what happened is they were working for another magazine and when ousa first came out it was the most horrible badly designed thing ever and oh my god it was so terrible like there are all these typos in the front cover mm-hmm. like it's legendarily bad i think it's improved since but we were talking and she's like yeah um i know it's your first gig you might want to reconsider because like we're all taking bets on how long the magazine's gonna last oh jeez. and the irony is we outlasted their magazine <laughs> <laughs> so and the best part is years later, they accidentally sent me an, an aim message and uh-huh. there was like this awkward moment of, oh, dot, 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 so-and-so goes off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, do I gloat? Do I, do I not? Because I like the friendship. <laughs> but yeah, no, that is like, I mean, I still do stuff for OUSA. Like I'm not mm-hmm. in it as much these days because just other commitments. And oh, also sure. Just because like there's just so sometimes like you'll get the lineup and you're like, I can't think of anything to write. Mm-hmm. Or I'll get to the, the pitch meeting email to you late or something and we'll go from there. But if it's like one of those things where it's like, hey, Mike, so uh, Gotcha Man's coming out. Um, would you be interested in doing a piece? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. You know, or yeah. if it's like, yeah, or like the one of the last things I did was um, it was really cool Ultra 7 article that I was really proud of, which was like going into like the deeper themes of it. And like, I'm probably going to turn that into a video essay for Vintage Tension at some point. Oh, nice. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's right. Oh, God, that's right. I was like the the pull quote for like the Dirty Pair DVDs. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> You, you you gotta you gotta put all this together, man. Just one big accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to. Oh my gosh. Well, there's stuff I have to say from my memoirs at some point. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> yeah, which they're gonna happen. I don't know if it's gonna be in manga form or whatever, but <laughs> I really want to do some memoirs someday. Like maybe when I, when I when I turn fifty, I'll start working on them. <laughs> well, I, I just have to say it's been a lot of fun catching up, man. This yeah, this was an absolute blast. Um, feel free to bring me on whenever. Oh whenever need, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you need filler, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not filler, Mike. This episode is all about you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what have you done? <laughs> you doomed everyone. <laughs> but but no, seriously, it's uh, it, it's been great catching up and. Um, I, I haven't been to ASEN in, in a while, so it's nice just to catch up. I loved all your recap stuff for Gridman and all the videos you're doing lately. And when Vintage Henshin takes off, uh, we're definitely going to support that and, you know, try to get the word out. That means a lot. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. So where can our listeners find you right now? Like online? 
Twitter, oh boy. all that stuff. Oh boy! Like you want to know my exact location? Uh, uh, no, no, no. I, okay, I, I'm in a bunker uh, somewhere <laughs> off the coast of Finland. Uh, no, uh, no. Uh, yeah, if you want to uh, follow me and hear my karate bugman ramblings, uh, you can follow me on uh, yeah tw- uh, Twitter at mock underscore dent. I'm on Instagram as mock.dent because I'm different. Uh, I'm also on YouTube as mockvox, and that's where all my voice acting stuff is going. I'm hoping to have more stuff on there in the coming months. Mm. And then apart from that, yeah. Oh, and vimeo.com slash mikedent if you want to see my video stuff because there's a lot of different mashups that have survived, uh, including one that got me in trouble with the RIAA, and I beat them. It was great. Oh, yeah so and I, i'm sure that's like every time i say that they're like mm, we're gonna get you somehow my dad and I'm like, <laughs> and it, or it's like dr call like i'll get you next time get it. <laughs> no. uh, well we're definitely gonna uh link to all these in our show notes but yeah man it's been a blast yeah this was a lot more fun than i expected that's for sure oh my goodness again if any of you are still listening after all that you're all saints uh your check is in the mail um and uh let's see uh i guess closing quote um let's do the my, my favorite one from uh Matalder, which is uh you know like this guy's amazing <laughs> All right. Uh, so Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph, on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, which is all one word. Uh, Mike, once again, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Oh, this was dynamite. I don't know. How do you want to close out the episode? Oh my gosh. This is this is a terrible, terrible choice you've put in my life. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know some uh, some big. Oh, here we go! I got thing. this. Okay, once again, the evil of Shocker has been vanquished. However, how will our hero triumph in the next <laughs> endeavor? Don't give up, Mike Dent. Fight on, Mike Dent. Okay, that's. It. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that one's for free. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.